All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? My name's Brock. Thank you so much for tuning in to Back to Your Story. It's a podcast about real people and real stories. This is story number 18. Today we have on a special guest. She goes by the name of Kim Nonstop. She's the chief fitness officer for Drift, which is the world's first mobile fitness studio, a founding instructor for Soul Cycle, and she's a cyclist that's supported by Live Cycling and Zip Speed Weaponry. Weaponry. Um, she was also a contestant on The Amazing Race, and she has a massive YouTube and Instagram following. This podcast really was freaking awesome to do, and I'm so excited to share this with all of you. And without further ado, this is the story of Kim Nonstop. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality, always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future, this is back to your story. So how you doing? I like your glasses. Well, thank you so much. They're very cool. They're Tom Ford. Shout out to Tom Ford. Mm, Tom um, Ford. The, uh, the wifey bought them for me for Christmas. She's got good taste. Yeah, she does. Well, I told her to buy them for me. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no, she has really good taste, actually. I feel like if people are listening to this, they have to go watch it now because they have to see... <laughs> Because we're talking about things you can't see. They're badass bitches. <laughs> so uh, anytime that I start these podcasts, I always get a little excited. You're so excited. Like you're like a little kid. You're I just, am. Ah! I fucking love this shit. You know, I mean, getting to talk to cool, like amazing people, getting to hear their story. It, uh, it fascinates me. You know, I don't, it's just uh, ever since I was a little kid, that's what I, I did. I would ask, ask people like, what's your story? What's your story? What's your story? And then eventually it uh, turned into back to your story. So that's, that's so kind of cool. that's kind of where we're at today. Um, so for the people listening, I would like for you to introduce yourself. Kind of start it off there. Please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Kim. Nonstop. Um, that's, <laughs> that was good. What, thank you. Yes. I, I can probably rattle off the lyrics to any '90s hip hop song that ever existed. So Gangsta. There's that. Um, I'm a fitness professional Ooh. Um, with a very long resume. I was a founding Soul Cycle instructor there Dang. from the beginning oh my gosh. of time. Um, I've also done a host of insane things in my life, such as uh, worked as a bike messenger in New York City, raced God. every alley cat in New York City, raced and won every alley cat in New York City, which for most people listening probably don't know what that is. It's an illegal street race. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I've raced, uh, have a long cycling career racing, and I don't know, I've done a lot of other things, crazy things. I have a YouTube channel. There we go. I love it. I mean, you- and I create fitness programming for bodybuilding.com, Nordic Track, uh, Shape. So I guess I would say I'm best known for my fitness, but I'm also very cycling famous. Like if I go to a bike race, uh-huh. I think I feel like that's where people stop me the most. Oh my gosh. And I was on The Amazing Race. Gangster. Gangster. Episode 20 or season 25. Season 25. Season. Wow. I, I was mean, on a whole season. I didn't even know they had 25 seasons. They, I thing. think they have like 30 now. Oh my gosh. It's been around. It seriously has. I, um, you know, for you, your 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 resume definitely is massive. Um, when we first were talking, though, uh, off the podcast, you said that, what did you say? What did you say? Uh, you're like, I've never had a, 
uh, a normal job or what, what did I've you never say? had to wear business cat I've never had to wear business gloves there we go and I, I find that amazing you know because what that says about you is that you've been able to shape your life um, on your own terms you know getting to do what you love best you could say that, yes. or you could also say I just wasn't ever employed by people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that, but um, but I think it's the latter. I, I definitely think it's the other way around. I didn't. I definitely didn't pine for a cubicle or an office. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. So where does your story start? Um, where did Kim grow up? Do you always want to start with with the growing up? Yep. Is, absolutely. Okay, right. It's back to your story. We'll, we'll get to the good stuff. Um, okay. I grew up in a lot of places. My folks, um, were younger, not as young as your buddy who is on earlier. (laughs) 18 is crazy. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. But I agree with him that like when you have younger parents, there's like a real benefit, I think, to them figuring their lives out as you're growing up because you see so much, you learn so much from that. And my folks were, I mean, mom was 21 when she had me, so pretty young, but they were married and they figuring their life out. And so we moved a lot. Um, I was the first child, so we moved a lot. Um, I just remember living in New York, New York City, upstate, Syracuse, wow. way upstate, like Watertown, Watertown. Watertown. Um, and then PG, Prince George's County, D.C., Baltimore. Um, I lived in Philly for a little bit after college. So um, I usually say I'm from New York because that's where I've lived the most of my adult years. But uh, I went to high school and middle school in the Baltimore area, so I okay. I kind of say like I grew up in Baltimore. I don't know. It depends on who I talk to. <laughs> it's like, what does it matter? Well, you know, I mean, I guess maybe to the person asking yeah. you. At some point, I'm gonna have to pin down my story. Yes. So maybe this is the beginning of me doing that. Yes, it's the beginning of you locking down your story. I do want to write a book at some point, so I gotta I gotta solidify the story. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, when people want to write a book, write a book about their story, who they are, and where they came from. So I feel like we're workshopping it. Right yes, now. Like we're what? we're just kind of working through the ideas. If only we had a live audience, I'd know what was <laughs> what was worthwhile. You know, be like. Oh, that got a laugh. <laughs> oh, there, there's a tear, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely keeping we that We see one. her. We see she. She's crying. <laughs> keep it. Keep it. It's a keeper. <laughs> she's a keeper. Um, okay, so New York, Baltimore, all, all of that mm-hmm. shit. Um, growing up in New York, what what is that like? Because for me, I grew up in Los Angeles, and the weather is warm, that not that cold. That explains the tattoos. Yes. Does it? <laughs> What, what does that mean? I just feel like if you grow up in L.A., you don't get out of growing up in L.A. without being covered in tattoos. So that's my <laughs> perception. I don't know. No, you might be right. You might be right. Um, I guess for me, I never thought that I was even going to be able to get tattoos, but then I then I just ended up getting tattoos, and my job allowed me to get tattoos. Um, I have to say from listening to your podcast, I did not picture you to look this way. Really? What does that mean? No, I Jeez. think no, I think you've done a really good job of um being what what you're trying to achieve. You're you're listening to people and like doing a really good job of interviewing and like listen to what we know as like late night TV show hosts and interview people. We see them on the news and we see like <laughs> You know, even like the comedians, they're all like very straight laced. So I guess yeah. I pictured you and I knew that you worked like, you know, in businesses and like, I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> I pictured you to be a little more straight laced. And I was just like, <laughs> you come out and a miss, like no one's listening to this knows yes. what you look like, but you're wearing yeah. a Misfits t-shirt and you're yeah. covered in tattoos, covered in tattoos and they're good tattoos. They're not Thank shitty. Ta- I mean, they're maybe decent. some of them are shitty, but. Most of them are good. <laughs> there is a Mickey right. Mouse on his yes. uh, left hand, yes. so there's that. But other than that, um, 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, you know. But I get it. I get it. I get. Well, actually, I don't get it. But I understand, and um, I guess I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know if that was like that wasn't racist, but maybe like that would be like that would be like you know when people call Barack Obama like he's very articulate. Like yes. I wonder if that's what I just did to you. Okay, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that, you know, because uh, at you know for me it's. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's just who I am. And uh, if you pictured me differently, well, right. fuck you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, for the record, people, I have orange hair and I have tattoos, so yes. it's fine. Yeah. I just, yeah. But no respect. Respect, He's so respect. He's so well-spoken. He's so well-spoken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to bring it back to your story. So okay. growing up in New York, uh, New York City or no? No. Um, Where in New York? I, I, I mean, I moved to New York City when I was 21. Okay. So before that, my mom is a New Yorker. She was born in she was born and raised in the Bronx. So All my right. mom's very Bronx, yes. and my dad was upstate. So, um, I didn't live in New York City except for when I was really young. Right. So it's really uh, my my formation in New York is mostly as a young adult. Nice. <clears throat> and but I've spent God a long time. The majority of my life has been spent in New York City. Wow. So. Wow. Uh, definitely way different than California. That is for sure. It is. Um, I appreciate what it gave me. Yeah. I think it gave me like a super strong hustle. Yeah. Like, I'm sure we'll get to this later, but the nickname nonstop is yeah. like, I never stopped. I was just like, go time all the time, you I know, that. and that, that is New York. If I had grown up in LA, I don't think I would have had this I wouldn't be the person I am now. Of course not. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of always talk about this. People that grow up on the East Coast, New York, um, it, you know, Baltimore, you know, wh- wherever it's very cold, six months <laughs> out of the year, uh, it's a different type of animal. You're a different type of person because uh, me grew up in L.A., I'm kind of, you know, lax and chill. Right. Uh, but environment, weather plays such a big role. And so when you go to New York, these people that are on their grind, they're hustling, right. they're pushing. Um, I think it's a direct correlation of many things, but also uh, the weather. The weather plays a huge role. You know, I never thought of that, <clears throat> that the weather was part of it. But I think about, okay, in the summertime, people are way more, not lazy, but like we're way more like, let's party in the summer yeah. in New York. But there's also something else that cre- created the culture in New York. Definitely, it's and it's not the weather because there's other cold places. Yeah. There's places that are cold year round, and That's they don't true. grind like that. And sometimes <laughs> you just hibernate. Yeah. And so New Yorkers do not hibernate. They don't. I think it's a combination of like the the environment too. Like you're living on top of people, people surrounding you. Yes. The Uber driver was telling me <laughs> that he went to the club in New York City. <clears throat> he arrived there at 10 p.m. He was like the, one of the only people there, and he was just like, "Oh man, are we at the right place?" You know. <laughs> And then he said, as he was at the party, they're like, no, don't worry. Things just pop off later. As he's at the party, it starts snowing. And he's like coming Uh, from, he's an Angelino. And he's like, well, shit, no one's coming out tonight. Like, (laughs) this is going to be a dead party. It's snowing. It starts hailing. It's coming down. By midnight, the club is packed. And people are just in there and they're not going to leave until like for two days. Yes, yes, that's true. That's New York. (laughs) (laughs) Because no one wants to be snowed in in their house. Like, we don't have space we don't have yards we don't have comfort like new york is an uncomfortable place and i think that's why people grind so hard i get that yeah that definitely makes a a lot of sense uh living on top of one another Uh, all of these different things definitely play into who you are as an individual Mm -hmm. um so you know 
growing up for you, having young parents, looking back at it now, um, did you appreciate that? Did you look at it any differently? You know, for me, I looked at my parents as being old when I was younger, and I don't know, maybe that's just me, but, uh, you know, your mom being 21 years old, that's definitely uh, a little bit younger than, you know, I guess the average uh, for today's standards. I don't think I appreciated it at the time because my folks were very, like, on the career path. Um And I didn't appreciate it until later when I was looking at old family videos. And I saw, oh my God, I saw my poor young mom sitting on the floor of the, like, it's a Christmas video. We're like unwrapping presents, just a bunch of obnoxious young kids, my brother and I. And my mom's like barely staying awake because she worked nights at the hospital, you know? And I was just like, man, that's so rough. Yeah. It definitely is. I mean, and that's the grind that your mom, that your parents went through yeah. to, uh, to be shout able to provide. To yeah, shout out to Mama Dukes, right? right? Like, like straight up. Um, and so I always talk. I, I do talk about this a lot um, on the podcast that growing up, uh, your direct kind of image a lot of the times of your environment, you know? So if you grow up in a household of people grinding, your mom, Mm. uh, you know, grinding to put food on the table, all of that shit, well, what are you going to turn out to be? If your parents, um, you know, are drug addicts and they they do up, what's probably, what what are you going to be? So um, if you go back to it, you're back to your story, right? Um, That's probably where it all starts. Oh, yeah. My parents were definitely heading incredible work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom was working at the hospital and then she also went back to school to get her graduate degree so wow. that she could level up and be a nurse practitioner. She eventually surpassed my dad, I think, in salary. It took a long time. I mean, especially in the medical field, it's so fucked up, but they don't give women, you know, the same kind of respect as like the male doctors yeah. and like, <clears throat> so uh, but my dad always encouraged that. He always encouraged education. And I think, I mean, like, I just knew. And I also, they always told us, they were like, you know, when you're 18, you're out the house, right? Like, you know, there's yeah. no, like, living here after 18. And, like, we were, wow. they told us, they told me and my brother that, you know. <sighs> and so we knew. We were like, we, we you know, we're not getting a free ride. Like, yeah. they're like, you got to go to college, but we're not paying for it because we don't have the money. So figure it out. Like, you know, that they, they weren't that, it sounds super hard. No, it doesn't. It sounds hard. This, this is probably going to freak some people out, but, <laughs> and I'll probably come back to this too. My brother had cancer. Whoa. Um, and they, he moved back in during the time he had cancer and they charged him, my dad charged him. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a good, <laughs> there's an idea. Like my folks are. I get it. Yes, 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 like, yes. You're living with us. I don't care if you have cancer, pay rent. Wow. Wow. Um, but once again, that's kind of a direct correlation of who you are, you know, that nonstop mentality uh, that is your folks instilling yeah. that into you. Um, we'll definitely get back to the cancer thing because actually, let, let's just kind of touch on it right now. Um, what kind of cancer did your brother have? Uh, lymphoma. Wow. And uh, he was 25. And maybe younger, actually, he might have been younger. <clears throat> we were we were just kids. I mean, I was I had moved to New York after college, and I was coming home on the bus. Um, my brother, going back a little bit, since it was my story, I'm just Mas- tell them I'm I'm tell <laughs> um, <laughs> growing up, my brother was always the athlete, and I was always like terrible at sports. Okay. And um, he, 
I always like admired him, wanted to be like him. I mean, I he's get like, it. He's tan and he's like fucking great with a ball. He can, <laughs> you know, he can, he would crush the soccer game. He would crush a baseball game. He'd, he'd play hockey. We went, to, we'd ride bikes. We lived at the bottom of this big hill and we'd go up to the top of the hill and we'd ride these bikes down the hill. And we were like, one day we're like, we're going to get a bike gang. And uh, if you want to get into the biking, you have to ride down the hill with your hands in the air. Yeah. Like, it's terribly dangerous. You just like any slight pebble could just send you crashing to the <laughs> asphalt and cheese grater your yes. entire body. Yeah. But you're just like, you know, we're kids like, Wah. <laughs> and I was actually really scared to do it. I was not a fearless human like most people think I am. The persona that I have versus the reality. Yes. And uh, I was, I was just like, but I really want to be in this biking. <laughs> so I, I did it. You know, it took me a few tries. I finally did it. I was like, I'm in the biking. And then all the boys and they there weren't any girls in the neighborhood. All the boys in the neighborhood were like, it's no girls allowed. So I got kicked out of biking. No. But and then we were like both on swim team in Maryland. We were living in Maryland at the time. Maryland, Michael Phelps. Like it's. It's like a swimming mecca, and they they divide the the end of the year into two groups. They're like all stars, summer classic, basically the dumbasses who can't swim, like the yeah. un not dumb, but you know, like the <laughs> unfit. I'm I'm being a bad example. No, you're for not. Young you're kids fine. right now, you're but fine. like you know, the kids that were slow, and that yes, was me. It's true. So every year he'd go to all stars. I go to summer classic. So he was just like he was like the specimen of like fitness. And I was just like, well, I suck and it's fine. I'm good at the arts. So I went to art school and then I went to, you know, I went to New York to be an actor and I'm coming home on the bus for like Thanksgiving one year. And my brother was like, he picks me up from the bus station and he goes, so Kim, uh, I got something to tell you, but uh, don't freak out. Um, I got cancer. And I was just like, and I mean, he was, but I got the cancer lottery because it's like the best cancer to get. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> Winner. I know. Like, <laughs> go, my brother. Like, I'm so impressed with him that yeah. he had such a positive attitude in that moment because I think I would have lost it or something. I, my brother was like invincible to me, you know. Like, yeah. he's just he was such an incredible person that could do anything, and I was just like what do you mean? You know, yeah. I was blown away by it. And so I knew he was starting chemo. He had, he had a long road ahead of him. So I started coming home more often and, um, sitting with him during chemotherapy. And, you know, we were nineties, like nineties kids. Yeah. And like, we had like, you know, a bunch of alt rock music that we liked. So I would make mixtapes and <laughs> the good old days. And we had, you know, the headphones, we'd split them. I put one in his ear <laughs> and he would be, in the chair, and I knew that chemo was pretty uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable for yeah. him, like painful probably. And he would put his hood over his face and just like sit there and like try to like just bear it. My brother's so strong, and um, and I would sit next to him, and like every once in a while, I'd get a reaction. Like we just listen, we just listen to the mixtapes, and he wouldn't talk. And every once in a while, he'd be like. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> nod his head or start playing air drums for like two seconds and then he'd go back to being still. So I was like, cool, I get this. Um, and it was just like, it was really hard to watch him go through it. And he, uh, he eventually did radiation. He did everything. It yeah. took a while. He lost his hair. He was super fit. You know, like, like when I say my brother was like an athlete, he was, he also looked the part like tan, rippled muscles, Italian stallion, you know, like just everything you would expect. 
And uh, he turned into what he called fat powder. Oh, my gosh. You know, like he was bald and white <laughs> and fat. Like all his muscle just turned to like pudge because yeah. he was ripped, but then it just, you know, he yeah. wasn't skinny. So it just turned into, and like it was, it was so hard to see because, oh, man, he like, he didn't want to eat anything. And then we'd be like, come on, you got to eat something. And then every once in a while he'd try to eat something. It was just like, oh, it was so hard to watch. And then uh, I was like, he he eventually, okay, spoiler, he eventually yes. kicked it. So. Yes, 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 yes. yes. My brother Kudos, is now, I think he's seven years um, wow. cancer-free, which is amazing. Six, amazing. six or seven years cancer-free. And um, he eventually got back to, he's a bodybuilder. He's into bodybuilding now. And Good. he's, uh, he's there like, we go. he's back to being the Italian side. He's chiseled yes. and tan. And I think watching that, my brother take that like super huge, like, I don't want to call it a fall from grace because it was in, involuntary, but like, you know, he went from this epitome of an athlete to like just a sludge on the ground, right? And as he was coming back, he was asking me like, what do you eat? Like, how do you? And I'm literally yeah. just working in a gym to pay the fucking bills because yeah. I'm, I want to be an actor, but I'm a horrible waitress. That's a whole nother story. I suck at waitressing. Um, and so I'm working at this gym because I'm just like, God, let me pay the rent. And my brother's like, well, what do you do to stay rent? And I was like, this is when I finally started to realize, wait, I'm actually, you consider me fit? Like, I'm fit? I'm the fit one? And I was like, well, I got the jeans. Okay, yes. so maybe. All right. And then the wheels start turning. It's like, I really credit that whole, like, moment in time to really kind of him gifting that to me giving me that ability to see myself as an athlete. And, you know, I was like, well, shit, if my brother can come back from being fat powder, I can pull myself together Fuck yeah. and start to be, you know, the athlete that everyone has the potential to be. Yes. But I just never gave myself that credit. Yeah. So that was like a big moment for me. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. You know, uh, having to witness that and someone that is your hero, your rock, your freaking brother who you looked up to. Um, to see, I don't want him to know, but he was kind of my hero. <laughs> no, I mean, I can see the reaction yeah. on your face and the yeah. way you light up when you talk about him. It's, um, it's huge. It's huge. And it's uh, another part of your story uh, that is that nonstop mentality, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that another check in that box that pushes you harder and harder. Um we're gonna we're gonna dial it back, but I, I do want to say that it's amazing that your brother fought it like yeah. fucking rock star. He yeah. beat it, and six to seven years uh, and not having it. So shout out. He's to him, a dad. Man. He's got two kids now. Yes. They're the cutest damn things you've ever seen. <laughs> One of them is just like me. Sorry, yes. John, you're fucked. But like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we're gonna bring it back to your story. Um, okay, so at that point. Um, when you found out that your brother had cancer. Before that, had you ever in your life, uh, were you very athletic your entire life? I no. Mean, like <laughs> I was horrible at everything. Like, I, like, the only thing I did growing up was, like, I remember when we moved um, to Columbia, Maryland at some point when I was older, a little bit older, and uh, I had a tape recorder, and, like, the place where we lived was still under construction. There was just, like rocks and gravel and like clay in the ground like 
And I would just go out to these like construction sites, like in the neighborhood and just like sing into the tape recorder, <laughs> you know, like yes. I wasn't cool. I was nerdy. I was kind of dorky and not, no, I wasn't good at sports at all. No, not at all. Not at all. But there, there definitely was something that uh, flipped over. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that. Um, so at what point in your life did this all start to change? Was it when your brother said that? Uh, because you were already working in the gym, be- but before that, what got you to even work in the gym? Um, in college, I just was, I think, stressed out. The sc- I, I didn't love the college. I went to University of Maryland. <laughs> uh, because sorry, you um, you're a great school, I guess, but you're like a jock school, and I was still very much like an arts kid. Yeah, and I was like, I'm just here because I have a full ride scholarship. Is why I was there. Wow. Um, and like I said, my parents were like, you have to go to college, but we're not gonna pay for it. Yes. And I landed myself a full ride scholarship as a theater major. Wow. And, um, but I was still I was double majoring. I was trying to do a lot of things and definitely took on a lot. And so at some points I was just stressed and I was like, how am I going to study? I don't feel stressed. I feel like pent up. I don't sit like, I think ADD is definitely a thing for me. I never was diagnosed, but like, I'm just like, ah, I have this energy all the time. So I'd go to the, they had this really nice fitness facility and I'd like ride a bike or walk on a treadmill or something while I was studying so that I could, you know, keep my focus. Um, and then my, oh, probably also a part of this, my mom used to teach step aerobics back in the day, like way back in the day. (laughs) So I think there's just like, I knew what to do in a gym. Like I was like, excuse me, I had to burp. It's okay. Uh, Do your thing. I knew what I had. I knew what the vaguely what to do in a gym, but like I, so I would go to them. And then when, uh, I got out of college. I got I got into dance. I was really into dance. I had double majored in dance and French and theater. My gosh, I know, it's overachiever. Yes. Um, and there was this. I was dating this guy who danced in this company called Rennie Harris Pure Movement. It was a hip hop company, and I got really into house music and house dancing. And I was auditioning for music videos, and I was booking some, and I was like doing, you know, I was doing yeah. the dancer thing. And then uh, I moved to I moved to Philly and was doing that for like a summer or a year. I don't remember. It was short. Um, <laughs> it's and a big I, difference. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Not when you're my age. <laughs> and then um, we, I got a job waitressing because that's what you do when you're an artist. You waitress. And I got fired <laughs> from that waitressing <laughs> job. Why? And I don't think I ever got fired from a job before. I would just sucked at it. I was yeah. not good at it. <laughs> like, I'm not a stoner, but I have always had, like, a stoner brain. Like, I'm – I don't my, – my therapist says it's executive functioning, and I suck at executive – she's like, you suck at event. She yeah. Those aren't her words, but – But I get it. Those are my words. Um, and I do. I suck at ev- executive functioning, and I do a lot. I have a lot of systems now yeah. in place so that I can be like, you know, the boss human that I am now. <laughs> but <laughs> then I didn't know. Like, no. I was like, I, I couldn't remember anything. Mess up all the orders, forget everything. I was just bad. Yes. Bad at. You got systems. You know, two things that I want to point out. Uh, what what you just said. Um, ADD and therapy, right? Mm, um, mm-hmm. I am Therapy's a huge, great. exactly. <laughs> it really is. Uh, um, I'm a huge proponent for it. I, I mean, one, I'm ADD as fuck, always have been, always That's will so. be. Uh, most people think that and most people know that. Um, but also therapy, you know, I'm manic bipolar. Like I, I just, that's, that's who I am. I, I wear it like a fucking badge of honor. That's awesome and that you, you say have it too. to, you have to, I mean, mm-hmm. more people need to be talking about these things Yeah, and it's, 
really important for me, one, to talk about it, when, but when people come on and they speak about it, it means a lot because um, these different types of mental things that we all have, right, um, some more, some less, needs to be spoken about mm-hmm. because it's been pushed under the covers for so long. And mm-hmm. more people like yourself, um, me, the people that I bring on, when they talk about it, it starts to shed light on it. And right. so shout out to you um, for, for even just talking about it casually. So yeah. respect. Thank you. Also, shout out to you for admitting manic bipolar. <laughs> and like, no, there was a time in my life where I have to admit, like if someone told me that, I'd be like, oh, I should steer clear from this person because yeah. they're going to give me a lot of drama. But like you've created a life for yourself that works really well. You have like a, a great job. You yeah. have a wife who's beautiful and has a beautiful yeah. house. And like you have this podcast. So like you've obviously created systems. I think, yes. I think people are really scared um, of other people who suffer from like schizophrenia, manic bipolar, all these, um, you know, uh, conditions that if they don't know and they don't, they haven't experienced or they haven't related to them, or maybe they have, like, for instance, I had an ex-boyfriend who was bipolar and he dragged me through the mud. It was horrible. (laughs) It was a horrible experience. So from that reason, I'd also be like, well, shit, I'm never touching Mm -hmm. another human being, even as a friend who's bipolar. But now that I know that you can, it's not that you want to steer clear of everyone who has a condition. It's that you want to, Steer, you want to give them a chance, like, do they, or steer clear of people who have a condition who haven't learned how to deal with it. Exactly. You know, maybe. It's huge. Or like, you know, help them learn if they're, yeah. if they're a family member, help yeah. them learn systems, um, how to deal with it. Absolutely. So that's like, I mean, that's every, there are systems that can be put into place for everything. Um, OCD, All bipolar, manic, yep, schizophrenia. There's, there, I mean, there's systems, there's behavior, learned behaviors. Yeah habits all and like if all else fails medication yeah and 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 for me i'm not a proponent of med- medication mm-hmm. for me not i'm not saying for anyone else all, right if all else yeah fails. if all else if all else fails but it is the system yeah. right it is creating structure in your life and and sometimes those structures uh you know they the the, the borders will break right um but it then it's just rebuilding it and it's uh, having a strong supporting team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my wife, huge, huge, strong, strong supporting team member in my right. life. Um, and, 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 and my cousin, the people around me that, that are, that are always around me because, um, if I don't have that, then all my shit fails because I can be the strongest person in my life. But if I don't have people helping to build me up through my weak times, mm-hmm. um, then it's just kind of like a spiral and it's a snowball that gets mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I think I talked about this on a podcast, you know, a couple of days ago, but like two weeks ago, a week ago, I got into a really dark hole. And I just, at this point, um, my, my wife and the people around me know, Hey, just leave Brock alone. Right. Let him work through it. When he comes out of his room, help build him up. And some people listening to this could think like, well, he's lucky he has a beautiful wife at home to help him. Sure. I don't have that. Yeah. I want to just bring up the story of the woman who started trouble coffee in San Francisco. Yeah. She was, um, she had a lot of mental disorders and what she did, I, I'm totally forgetting her name right now. Juliet. I think is her name, first name. She's she on a This American Life podcast, but um, she her story, uh, she was a mess, but she created habits where she would do, she would walk home the same way every single day. It's the same people would see her. So it's like, yeah, she didn't have 
a beautiful wife at home or husband. Like, yeah. you know, she, she created habits. So go. it's not always like, I know some people could listen to us and be like, well, I don't have that. I don't have a supporting family. I understand life is hard and we don't always have the same, like, you know, we don't always get the same luck of the draw, but there are learned behaviors and habits that can be done to help, you know, just for people out for there sure. listening to this, just to think about it's other ways point. to manage your uh, illness or condition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you're absolutely right. You know what? Uh, for me, I'm, it's, it's not to brag or anything. It's like, no, this is what it is. I am fortunate enough to have these people in my life, but not everyone has that. Right. Um, but that does not mean to give up and just let it fall by the wayside because, um, if there is a will, there's a way, you know, it's, it's so freaking true. Right. All right. So thank you very much for talking about that. And, uh, let's bring it back to your story. Um, uh, so, I heard you say something just a little bit ago, and it was that you got a scholarship right mm-hmm. before you went to college. What the heck was that all about? Vienna, Vienna yeah, scholarship. Yes, yeah, Vienna scholarship. <laughs> um, well, I went to Baltimore School for the Arts, so shout out to that school because that school, that school is amazing. Oh, you like that school, huh? Like, oh. Yeah, sorry, sorry, University of <laughs> Listen, I'm sure University of Maryland is a great school. I just, my experience there was, you know, it's like yes. frat boys and football players and like it's just not the scene for it's me. It's not you, I get it. That's not me. But um uh we lived in this neighborhood where the high school that was in my like district was had no windows. It was okay. designed after a prison. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Like this is I, I you know what? thinking back on this and I'm just thinking of this now. Yeah. Give myself some credit. Yes. I took the initiative. I looked at that school and I was like, I'm not going there. Wow. My parents didn't encourage this at all. I just told my parents, I was like, I'm not going there. I'm going to find another school to go to. And I like started applying to all these, um, private high schools and like magnet schools and like literally anything I could freaking do to not go to that school. And one of my friends, um, was like, there's a school in Baltimore, which was, um, 30 minutes away from where I lived. And she was like, it's an art school. You have to audition. She was like, but I'm going to audition. You want to come? And I was like, Yes. And I auditioned and you could audition in like up to two, I think. And I was like, let me give it a shot and anything I got. I can juggle. Like I'll tap dance. Like what do I got to do? Yes. You know? <laughs> so um, I auditioned in theater and I auditioned in music and uh, I played the oboe at the time. The oboe? What the heck is that? Exactly. It's just <laughs> musicians would know what an oboe is. Like classical musicians would know what that is. Um, rock musicians wouldn't like, you know, yeah. it's like a, it's the dorky, like, bassoon oboe double reed yeah. you have to make this face like <laughs> to play it like the, the weirdest face ever i um, love that you also have to learn how to whittle oh. you have to whittle your own reeds <laughs> Are you like you can't just buy one because it's like the sound the reed makes is so you like attuned to your embouchure and everything so it's this whole nerd like chasm i fell into but i didn't uh i wasn't fully in it i was just playing the oboe because like I said, my parents moved a lot. And by the time we got to this one school, they were like, all the instruments are taken. Here's an oboe. And I was like, God damn it. You know, and they were like, but if you learn how to play it, you'll get a scholarship is what they said. And I was like, noted. <laughs> right. Check. So I was like, I'm going to learn this oboe because God knows how I'm yes. going to go to college. Yes. Yes. I'm going to figure this out. So I was always just very resourceful. Learn the oboe. Auditioned um, in music and theater. I really, really want to do theater. Um, and 
they took me to music. Oh my god. <laughs> so, and the school is hardcore. You spend four hours a day in your major and then four hours a day doing academics. What? So the academic side might have been a little light. Yes. Uh, I think I made it to like geometry. I don't even know what algebra is. I yeah. have no idea. Um, I don't even know what geometry is. Right. I mean, do you even use it? <laughs> unless, no. unless your you know, yeah. job calls for it. You're an engineer, like Whatever. everything else. Yeah. Whatever. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> but um, so they let me in for music and I was like, I learned how to whittle. I learned all this. I learned, you know, all these like symphony. I like was soloing. I was doing, I was on the track to like, I did the Peabody prep, which is Peabody Orchestra in Baltimore, did all that. And um, the next year came around, they were like, uh, I knew another girl who re-auditioned. You can okay. re-audition to, if you want to change majors, but you have to start over. And I was like, I'm going to try again because I'm just <laughs> persistent. Um, I can tell. Yeah, so I got back into theater after that. So I did theater, and then I got a scholarship to University of Maryland Theater. So that's how I did that. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. And uh, how old were you when you uh, were given the opportunity to play the oboe? Um, I was... How old are you in seventh grade? Shit, that's how young you were. Yeah, well, I yeah. love that. How how old are you? Like, I'm like 13, 13, 14, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that. I wanted to play instruments. I've always loved music. Um, and I had like an upright bass at one point. When I was 10, I was playing upright bass. Yes. Which like I'm short, so that was a disaster. It was than <laughs> like, you. I couldn't even reach the thing. <laughs> um, and then when we changed schools again, I couldn't there was no upright bass for me to play. And it's just like loaned out public school instruments. So damn, um, I was like, fine, I'll play this thing. Yeah. But it helped you uh, get to college. Yeah. It's huge. Um, you know, one thing that I keep on hearing you say is like, when I change schools again, when I change schools again, when I, I went to school, so many schools, um, I went to a lot of schools, but that's because I was kicked out of every single one. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, it's not my story. It's your story. Um, you know, someone's going to have to pry it out of you. Yeah, people keep on asking me to do it. So <laughs> I will. I will eventually. Um, but what was that like growing up? Uh, you would get comfortable in a school and then you'd have to leave. Get comfortable in school, you'd have to leave. You know, there's um, there's a memoir by the actor. I'm totally spacing his name. I hate my Alzheimer brain sometimes. Yeah. Um, probably smoked too much weed as a yes. <laughs> high school kid. Um, I smoked so much weed in high school. Yeah, I, I so, mean, I went to an so art school. Yes, we so, all did. Well, I can't say we all did, but yeah. you and I both did. Um, oh, you know what? But your friend said something really interesting, and I keep forgetting his name. Tyler. Tyler. Tyler, Tyler He was like, I think in the future so much that I forget yeah. things in the past. And I was like, that's a great way to spin it. Yes. Because, <laughs> I mean... Let's be honest. I think he just probably has a shitty memory like me. Yes. But that is a great spin. No, it's I was he. Like, he does a great. What a great spin. I'm going to use that. Shout, shout out. I'm such a future thinker yes. that I forget the pants. <laughs> shout out to Tyler. No, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, our brains definitely suck regardless, uh, you know, what you do or what you don't do. It's not like it's a computer where it remembers, uh, you know, everything. So yeah. I, I sometimes wish that I did, but then I'm actually happy that I did not remember everything. Um, okay. So, but, you know, getting back, you changed schools. Was that hard? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to be an asshole and look up the actor Ooh. really I, I wish I had a Jamie, like Joe Rogan, freaking Jamie really, would be looking it up right now. Really? Zach um, needs to do that. Do, do, okay, do, hang on, hang on a second. Do, Where are the actors? Do, do, Why aren't they showing me the actors? Do, do, They're showing me the writers. No. John Lithgow, thank you. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right, sorry. Okay. That was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> so John Lithgow wrote a memoir and I like... 
I wish I read more. And every once in a while, I feel like I read a book and I'm always just like, damn. Yeah. So somebody handed me, I think my dad handed it to me and I read it. Um, but his whole story, he moved a ton and he credits that to why he became an actor. And I was like, I relate so much because it's yeah. like the tap dance you do. You okay. know the tap yeah, dance. I do. Like the like the 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 whole act yep. that you do when you go to a new school, you go to a new yep. place, and you're like, time to make new friends. Yep. You're like yep. this is me. Yeah, it's so <laughs> I'm true. gonna make new friends, and so <laughs> I think that's how. I'm like, mind you, my career. I know you're listening. You guys might be confused. I know I'm not an actor. You're like, but you didn't make it as an actor. Yeah. Right. But what I do is still in front of a camera. Like I'm very much a, a public facing person and I have to make people like me to a point. So, um, yeah, I credit that to my parents moving a lot, you know. But going through it, was it hard? I mean, I'm sure it was. I don't, it doesn't keep me up at night. Um, I definitely remember it and I always mention it when I talk about my life story. So I'm sure at some point it was like pretty hard. Yeah, definitely. But it's just a part of who I am now. Of course. Uh, All those little bits and pieces build up the the person that you are today, Mm -hmm. right? Um, All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, so let's uh, let's jump a little bit forward, right? So you eventually, not eventually, you get into the college, you go, um, you know, for music. She she gets into the college. She graduates the college. Yes. Going through school, uh, going through college, right? Were you working out? Were you... Working. Yeah. Were you, you know, riding bikes? Were you no, doing any no. of that? No, I like rode a bike around campus just because it's like a mode of transportation. Um, no, I wasn't, I still wasn't athletic. Um, no. But isn't that crazy? Right? I dance. Okay, so I danced. Um, I, you know, my, I minored in dance. Okay. And so dance was my athletic outlet. Um, and I always had more of a gymnast type body than I did a dancer body. Okay. And I just, maybe that's genetics or whatever. So, um, kind of square and short. (laughs) Genetics definitely play a huge role into your body, right? Um, like my wife and, you know, her brother and all of them, they're like all, you know, fit and they Mm -hmm. all live to their nineties and hundreds. And, you know, it's like my family, they all freaking died when they're like, 60 years old and they'll have autoimmune disorders and it's, oh. you know, it is what it is, right? It's the card that you were dealt, I get, I right? I get cancer in mine. Right? So yeah. <laughs> Check. <laughs> I don't mean to be laughing about that. I'm so it's okay. sorry. It's okay. Sorry, bro. Um, but he made it. So that's, yeah. uh, that's yeah, most important, can. right? Okay. So you go through college and but all my that shit. grandma shapes. didn't. So, no. well, okay, sorry. <laughs> wait, seriously? No, I mean, one of them died of cancer. The other one died of Parkinson's. Brutal one to watch. So anyway, going okay. back. Okay. Yeah. 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 Go, let's let, let's let's. <laughs> R.I.P. Grandmas. They're great. Yes. 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 All right. So going through college, all that stuff. What happened after? You were getting done I'm, with school. I went straight to New York. New York. What was straight your plan? To New York, like immediately. Um. I. Okay. So I had my SAG card already. Um, because I because of School for the Arts, um, anytime they needed local talent, like young talent for a TV show or something, they'd hit up the School for the Arts because they knew that like they did shit right there. So yes. the kids were usually very talented. Most of the kids out of that school, a lot of them went into like a professional career very soon after. Like most kids didn't even go to college. You know, they would just go straight into like professional. Um, so I was on Homicide, Life in the Streets, and then I was on The Wire. And so I had my SAG card from that. And then so I moved to New York feeling like I might have been hot shit at that point. I'm sure you did. Uh, that's what I thought. Uh, but it did not play out in my favor, I think. And I blamed a little bit on 
you know, I always wanted my parents to be more of a stage parents. They weren't. <laughs> they were like career energy, you know, like get get your go go get your degree. And I think had I left high school and gone to New York, I might have had a slightly different um well, yeah, I would have had a hugely different experience yeah. um, just because I would have been, what, 17, 18. And the pool of actors you have to choose from, professional actors at the age of 17, is probably smaller than the pool of actors you have to choose from at 22, right? Absolutely. Um, so I get there at 22, and there's already all these kids that caught up to me. They went to, like, you know, Yale. They went to, you know, NYU. And so at that point, my edge was gone. And I mean, I can't blame it all on that. I wasn't 100% the most attractive human being. I was not ugly, but I wasn't like, I wasn't gorgeous and I wasn't tall. And I was like, I I think I was very in between as far as casting wise. This one, you know, I had an agent. She put me in the ethnically ambiguous file. What? Why? (laughs) This is also like in the 90s or early 2000s. So it was like very, yeah, like still not super PC. Um, And I had dark (laughs) hair and it was curly. Um, And I looked kind of Puerto Rican, I guess. And so she sent me on a lot of Puerto Rican roles, like, like be the cop, be the tough girl, be this, you know. But there was always someone tougher and more Puerto Rican in my head than me. Yeah. So, and I'm not Puerto Rican, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, it just wasn't the, you know, what it is now. And, yeah. uh, and so I wasn't very successful. I had a few roles. I had a few things here. I did, like, a law and order. I did, like, a thing here. Um, and then I remember, I, I like to say I had the Dave Chappelle moment before Dave Chappelle. Like, okay. I, I had a Dave Chappelle moment. Um I was at uh, an audition, and well, I don't know if this is the moment Dave Chappelle is. I just know the outcome was a Dave Chappelle moment. Okay. But the the moment that spawned it was I was at a callback for like I think it was a Wells Fargo commercial, and I'm there and I'm standing there in the room and I was like, "Cool, it's my callback. It's a national commercial. This is like bank. This is money. I'm so stoked." And I'm standing there and I do I read my part and then they st- and then there's a pause in the room and they start talking amongst themselves in front of me. And they're like, you know what? She's a little too pretty for the young mom role, but she's like not pretty enough for like the young couple role. So we don't really know, like, I'm not really sure where she fits. And like, had I been a more seasoned actor, maybe at that moment in time, I would have thought, oh, cool. They think I'm a good actor. (laughs) Like they want to, they want to use me, but my look isn't right. But at the moment in, I was still sensitive and younger. And I was like, I literally was like table flip. I'm out. Shut the... I put my shit in storage. I left the country and I went to South Africa and I volunteered in an orphanage and I was just like, this is my life now. No That's why way. I said Dave Chappelle moment. <laughs> yeah, I was what just like, forget fuck? it. Like, forget it. Like, why? Like, that, you're yeah. gonna talk about me in front of me like yeah. I'm a horse or like, you know, just like, really? Th- th- like, I don't get that. Like, I, I just don't get that. I don't get that. I just, I was, I had done so many auditions at that point and I just like was so over it. It had to be so defeating for sure. Yeah. You know? And you're just always trying to, you're always trying to, I, I mean, of course I was probably going about it the wrong way. I'm sure successful actors would say, just be yourself. But I was always trying to like figure out what do they want me to be? What do they want me to be? And then obviously my success came after I decided to just be myself. So yeah, there's the uh, moral That's of the story. You know what? That, that is the moral of the story, right? <laughs> be yourself. Right. right? That is... Uh, one of the reasons I'd started the podcast right. was to be myself because I've lived my whole life as two people, people that, you know, that perceive me on the outside and the person on the inside. Right? right. And so when we can kind of let go and become who we truly are, 
um, good things come, hopefully, mm. right? Mm. Um, but <laughs> that that whole thing, flip the table, right, and then go to South Africa. <laughs> what was the, the the time span from uh, flip the table, South Africa? It was pretty fast, but um, I was with a group of friends at the time. Um, I was in this uh, acting class. I think a lot of actors, you know, like they just go to class a lot when yeah. they're, you know, trying to do something with their life. Of course. Um, and I had a good group in this class. Actually, I'm still friends with a lot of them. Um, and I, I wrote, I started, uh, I know at one point um, I was like, class is really expensive. I'm going to take a month off. So I, you know, I took a month off, but I also told my friends, hey, I'm going to host writing at my house so we can meet on Mondays. Um, the class was on Wednesday. So I was like, we can meet on Mondays and work on writing our own material. And then eventually I was like, man, this material is getting really good. I was like, let's do a show, a showcase. And then I approached the acting school and was like, hey, can we use your theater? And they were like, yeah. And so we did a week of shows and like, it was all sold out. It was actually really like for a long time, that was one of my greatest achievements in life was like, I produced a play in like off Broadway in New York and it was like really successful. And then I left and went to South Africa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that was all going on. And then one of the people in that group of friends, um, not in the acting class, but he was like tertiary. He was like, he was in the group of friends. Um, he was a model. Um, we had like Ooh. a little fling and he was really cute <laughs> and he was South African and, um, terrible story. His like grandmother was like brutally murdered in her home. And then, Holy so he like, shit. he goes home, like he forfeits his visa and goes home and he's like, but you should come visit me. <laughs> so like all this stuff is happening concurrently. And I was like, fine, I'm going to South Africa. Bye. Yes. And so that Bye. Was, Wow. You know? And I showed up in South Africa and I was like, Hey, cute boy. And he was like, I'm kind of over it. And I was like, Oh, that hurts. <laughs> uh, and then I got like, you know, I met somebody else who was like cuter and I was like, life yes, is better. It's fine. Yes, yes. And I ended up staying longer than I expected. So everything was fine. Everything worked out. You know, it's just an interesting. That is definitely fucking crazy. Time in life. That is definitely crazy. How it's long... what you do in your 20s, right? Of course. Right? Absolutely. You, you figure it out. You, you have to figure it out. Those are the times to figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, you're still learning while you're going. How long were you in South Africa for? I think six months total. Okay. So then you're out there for six months. Um, when you came back, did you have any plans? No, my stuff was still in storage. My friend had just gotten an artist residency at, it's on Franklin Street. It's like the School of the Arts or something very nondescript like that. And um, he invited me to see his studio. I think I landed and went to his studio. And the studio had a shower. And I think I, I slept in his art studio for like a week because I didn't have a house. I didn't have any place to live. So I was like sleeping in this art studio. And I remembered when I saw his like, because he was a mess when I left. He was like borderline alcoholic. And then when I got there and I saw this like great fortune that had befallen him and he's very talented. And I was just like, I like was moved to tears. I was yeah. like, this is amazing. So inspiration and, you know, nowhere to live and living in an art studio and like, I don't remember what happened after that, honestly. It's like a blur. I guess I got my life together, got a new apartment. Oh, I started riding. I always rode a bike around New York City, but I didn't ride it as frequently. And then I had met somebody, this guy, Austin Horse. He's like my brother now. He's amazing. He's so, he's been in my life for a really long time. And he was like, uh, I was riding this shitty bike around and it got stolen. He was like, let me get you another bike. No way. And then I start riding a this other bike and it was so much lighter and I was like, this is amazing. And so I'm flying, I'm going so fast. And, yes. and somebody was like, I don't remember who, someone was like, you're kind of fast. Like you should do 
a race. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you have no idea. I'm terrible at sports. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. Like, come to this. Like, it's for charity. They do this thing every year called Cranksgiving. Okay. And it's an alley cat race, which is an illegal street race, if you yes. remember. Um, quiz. And that's what we were talking about Pop earlier. quiz. <laughs> um, illegal street race with checkpoints. So it's a, like a messenger style race. So you route yourself. Um, you're riding in live traffic and it'll be like, you know, the, the checkpoints are like, there's someone waiting at those checkpoints to like give you an item or to give you a stamp or something. So it'd be like union square, Columbus circle, um, Avenue a and, 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 uh, third or something. And then you have to go to the finish line or something. So the first person to complete that little maze through the city, Uh Usually it's like everyone puts in like five or ten bucks and then winner takes all is usually how those races go. Cranks, how many people? Whoever shows up. Like a hundred people, twenty people? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes they're huge. Sometimes like if it's like a lesser known one, like someone just decided sometimes someone will be like on a Friday, if it's a it's a messenger thing, like on the radio back in the day, they'd be like, I'm gonna throw a race, you know. So you know, <laughs> I but love that. Some of them are like real institutions. Like they've been going on like monster checks been going on for like twenty two years now. Anyway, Cranksgiving is a long running one. It's a little different because it's a charity race and it's good. Oh, it's so fun because it <laughs> happens around no- in November and you're what you're doing, your checkpoints, instead of being people giving you a stamp, it's um, supermarkets all around the city and you have to buy an item um, and put it in your bag and carry it with you to the next. And you have to keep the receipt to prove that you went to that store. Oh so that's God. how you prove you were there. And at the end, it's like a whole shopping list. At the end, you end at a food bank and you donate all the food to the food bank. Shut up. Yeah. It's super fun. And like literally every city kind of should hold – every city should hold one. L.A. does. I know that New York does. A lot of cities like Chicago. um, Even Brooklyn started doing like their own separate one because it was so popular. And so it's like a great way to get people – and like people just show up who don't – like that aren't bike racer. You know, yeah, it's not like a, yeah. you don't have to be a bike messenger. You don't have to be a bike racer. You could literally do it on a trike. You could do it on a skateboard. You know, you could do a running race like this. Yeah. And it's so fun because you remember like I don't remember supermarket sweep. But I, when you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you just like run like a crazy person through the supermarket. Yes. And you're like you like run and you're like there's all these people with like it's so hilarious because the supermarket workers are like, what? Like it's like 10 people running at the same time with like helmets and they're like. Where's the cranberry sauce? And they're just like dashing <laughs> with the cranberry sauce, like fighting their way through the line. It's like really, I love that. It's really funny. And um, they'll usually do like prizes for you know first place, but also they do prize for like most generous. So people that like carry. I remember one time one guy got like a cargo bike and he bought like twenty turkeys, frozen turkeys or something. So like you know most generous. That's so freaking cool. Best costume. People dress up like turkeys. People dress up like Native Americans. Like it's just like a crazy. It's a crazy free-for-all. It's so fun. So that was my first experience in a bike race. So obviously I was hooked. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like an amazing way, one, (laughs) to have a great time, but two, to also give back, right? right? Right. Uh, It it hits so many levels and it does not matter uh, your expertise, your level, any of that, but there was definitely something in there that lit the fire up your ass, right? yeah, yeah. Because I won it. Yeah. So I was- Shut the fuck up. (laughs) First time. Yeah. You're like, I'm not athletic. I can't ride a bike. Okay, but here's the thing. I thought I was hot shit, but like now that I, what, knowing what I know about Cranksgiving, like, 
it's not a competitive race. <laughs> so, so guys, I was kind of an asshole, but like, there's... you're the dick that's just like pushing everyone out of the right? way. There's always somebody. Yeah. So there's always someone that wins it, and I was the one that went here because I was just like, and this is what I discovered about myself since. It's like I never. I was like, oh, I'm not competitive. Like I don't do sports. No, I'm competitive. It's and yes. the reason why I didn't do sports is because I wasn't good at them. Yeah. So if I wasn't good at it, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to be the best. Yeah, of course. So, I get that. I get I was that. like, stay in my lane. I'm good at yeah. art. Of course. Know, like. No, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's so crazy to think that something um, like that is what changed the whole course of your entire life. Yeah. That moment in time literally changed the whole course of your life. Definitely so, like the following 15 years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Who knows what's coming after? Yeah, absolutely. No, but it's so true. It's like what would have happened um, if you would have stayed this way, right? But you just were like, nope, fuck that. I'm going this way. So after that race, what was next? Because you were still in New York? Yes, I was still in New York. That's kind of where like the alley cat culture thrives because New York is just like one of the best cities to have illegal street races. I love that. Um, and so, I mean, you can just, there's this thing called the green wave. I'm sure anyone who pays attention to anything cycling related in New York city, although that's probably very niche. (laughs) Okay. But, um, there's this thing called the green wave and it's like when you catch the green wave, it's the lights, all the lights turn green. And if you go at a certain pace, like in San Francisco, Valencia Street's 13 miles per hour. Boring. In New York, it's like, if you can rail it at like 20 miles per hour down First Avenue, you will catch that green wave. And you were just like, ah! <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, and you get such a rush. It's an adrenaline rush, you know? And so um, I I was doing alley cat racing. And then my friend was like, oh, our, our messenger company needs somebody for the winter. And I'm so, so naive. But I was like, sure, I'll do it. Because I thought messengering was cool. Yeah. Fuck the winter in New York City. So what is that you like? count when you're a professional bike messenger, not like a seasonal. Like, do you remember what was it? MTV's Real World. Of course, the first Are you season. Freaking kidding season me? Season one. Yes. Yeah. Puck. Yes, Puck. What the puck, man? By yes. the way, fair weather messenger, not a professional. Okay. <laughs> he, he, I think he worked a summer and called himself a bike messenger. Yes. We're just gonna be yeah. like, all right, yeah. is your summer job? P- you know, Puck's like sixty now. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Puck. You were influential to us, but yeah, seriously, straight um, up. Yeah, I got a job <laughs> as a messenger in the dead of winter in New York City. Who does that, right? I have no idea. I don't know. And then I worked, I think, five or six winters. I lost count at this point, but I remember being like, I'm good. Like, you <laughs> you learn to, and it was crazy. I learned so much during that time. I had I had a friend that I would text with, Tone, Stone Tone. And, uh, Stone and Tone. when I moved to Brooklyn, because I used to live in Lower East Side, and when I moved to Brooklyn, I was like, it was winter, and the, the bridge would be ice sometimes. I was like, we're not getting over the bridge today. Like, I guess we got to call into work. And Tony would be like, five bucks says we get over the bridge. And I'm like, and he's like, I'll see you there in 10 minutes. And I'm like, (laughs) so I get to the bridge and I'm like, man, our skinny, like skinny, smooth tires actually made it over the bridge, which I was shocked because like, you know, people that race bikes and do cyclocross, like they know all this stuff. But like, I didn't know when I was learning you know, fixies, fixies, man. Yes. Gear bikes, they yeah. do, they can do a lot. Those those bikes are freaking crazy. That's all I ever knew. I only knew a fixed gear bike my whole life until, like, I don't know, my thirties, and then <laughs> California and hills. I was like three piece cranks all the way, and never a fixie by any means of. Uh, 
ever, ever, yeah. ever, ever. Even when I get one now, it's still uncomfortable to me. I mean, I can ride it, but it just, ah, I don't like it. But shout Never out coast. to- Yeah, oh, fuck that. Never coast. Oh, fuck It's a good, good theme for life. Um, for people just real quick that are listening, they're like, what the hell's fixed gear, right? Why don't you yeah. explain to them? It's like a direct a direct drive. Your, your cog is attached, fixed to the wheels. So um, the bike only goes as fast or as slow as your legs move. And um, there's only one gear, so you don't have multiple gears. And you can pedal backwards. If you pedal backwards, you don't stop. That's a coaster brake. Yeah. If you pedal backwards, you actually go backwards. So, yeah, it's like a lot of – if you get a lot of momentum, it's very hard to control. It's kind of like a bucking horse. Yes. But your legs get really strong if you can manage to learn <laughs> and tame that horse. Tame that beast. Yeah. My gosh. And so that's what you rode all over New York. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Monster Trek is like the legendary – uh, alley cat race that's breakless um, and full of toxic masculinity all that stuff you know just yes. like racing breakless through the city and just like so get cool. out of my way we're so cool but you know it's like it's one of the mainstays of, of, of alley cat culture and it was one of the races I had never done because for multiple reasons it takes place in February so <laughs> ugh. Like I would like get off work and be like, why would I race in the snow on a Saturday? Yes. Screw that. Um, so a long time I was just like not interested. And then after a while I was like not interested in doing a break list. So I was just like, uh. and then I moved to LA and was like, why would I go for February? Finally, I was just like, you know what? I've never won monster track. I've never raced monster track. I'm going to go to monster track, win it. And then that's going to be my mic drop. I'm going to retire. retire from alley cats. Mission accomplished. You did it. <laughs> yeah. You won. Yeah. Damn. That's gangster as fuck. It is. I told you. Oh, my gosh. It's oh. so cool. I, I told you. I, I just have to say, if I had to ride bikes around New York City, uh, I'd get an electric bike. And, uh, yeah, that's about that. So uh, <laughs> E-bikes are cool. They are. I, uh, are cool. I had one for a long time. And I After I ruptured my ACL, that e-bike was, like, the jam for yeah. me when I was recovering. <laughs> Fucking dope. So. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna to get to the ACL story. That is for yeah, sure. It's not a great story. Well, just, yeah, my brother, was... my brother just fucked his up really bad. Ugh, but uh, okay, all right. Um, so after winning that race, mm. what came next for you? I mean, I was already living in LA. So oh, that you was were already in LA. Later, that was the end of my career. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, so then yeah, we're yeah, gonna bring yeah. it back to your story then. Fine. Um, okay. So at what point were you like, all right, fuck it, I'm getting out of here. Uh, out of New York. Yeah. Um. A terrible relationship ended in complete fireworks, blow everything up. Um, I, Soul, okay, so I had been working for Soul Cycle since 2006. And at this point, we're fast forward to 2014. Okay. And I had helped Soul Cycle open all their studios at this point that were in existence. Um, so I, I flew out to LA when we opened WeHo. I flew out to LA when we opened Santa Monica. I flew out to LA. When we opened, what was the next one? Malibu or Culver? I can't remember. Beverly Hills. I forget the order. I, you know, I taught in Miami. I did South by Southwest pop up in in Austin, Texas. I did Aspen pop up in Aspen. Like it was just, I was doing all the. Th- I was like, I'm your traveling girl because yeah. I was just like young and hungry, loved to travel, um, and and finally I kept telling them, I think I want to go teach in LA. I don't think I want to stay. In New York, because the weather's just amazing, yes. and I didn't have any friends or family here, but that doesn't that's never stopped me. I mean, my parents, like I said, we moved everywhere, so you just do your tap dance, yeah. make some friends, and um, 
And I, so yeah, my relationship blew up horribly. Um, I had been, uh, this is where the nonstop nomaker, no, nomaker, am I saying that? I think you're, I I think totally you're saying it right. I think you're saying it right. You know, when you know a word and then you yeah. say it or you like write it out and you're like, that of doesn't course. look right. Anyway. Whatever. Became real. Like I was, I was, I was teaching, uh, spin classes in the, like, and then bike messengering. I started a, my own messengering company with a group of people. Um, it was a cooperative. And then I was teaching a soul cycle. And then I was in a band and I would go to band practice and then we'd play shows. And then I'd sleep like two hours and I'd get up and I'd do it all over again. And this was like day after day after day. It was my life. ADD as fuck. Oh, yeah. But he like thri- thrived yeah, in it. Of course. It was great Absolutely. for me. I get it. You know? And um, our band, like my band, um, was like we were booking, we had the same booking agent as my boyfriend's band. And then we'd play with live drummers sometimes because we were an EDM band. We'd play with live drummers sometimes, and he is a drummer. So he would like play sometimes with us. It was just so twisted. Like half the songs were about our fucked up relationship, and he'd like be playing drums behind while I'm like yes. screaming about this thing. It was like, you know, so typical. <laughs> um, so it blows up in a blaze of glory, and I'm just like, it's time. I'm going. And I go to LA. Um, yeah. And we find out right around that time, my friend and I, that we, we got onto the amazing race. Holy shit. And so it was this whole like time to just like, let's just try this. Yeah. And that's because my brother's a little touchy OCD and he, he was obsessed with survivor and he thought he had cracked the code and he could win it. Okay. So he kept applying for survivor like year after year after year after year. He gets cancer, survives cancer. And he's like, now I'm really going to get on the show yeah, because yeah, I'm a cancer yeah. survivor. <laughs> I'm a shoe in. Yes. It doesn't fucking work. He doesn't get a, That's Oh, so crazy. here's another crazy thing. Even, uh, Jeff probes, the host of survivor is in a soul cycle class with me. He, uh, I was like, yo, you know, I talked to him and I was like, you know, my brother's obsessed with the show. You'd love to, like, he's been trying to get on it for years. Still doesn't get on it. Jeff's what like, what fuck? are you doing later? We meet up. I go on a date with Jeff Probst. Still doesn't get on Survivor. <laughs> what the fuck? Shout out to Jeff Probst. He was a total gentleman. We had a great night. We didn't, Good. nothing. Like, Good. it was just like, we actually just shared stories of like traveling the world. That's and good. then like I sent him a mixtape. It was hilarious. It was like a great time. Oh, and then later I was stranded in Cuba and I was sending an email to my friends. He was on that list. And I was like, LOL, I'm stranded in Cuba. And he was like, you know, I know people, right? So Jeff Probst also shout out for thanks for getting me out of Cuba. Um, so <laughs> it's not important. Okay. Uh, okay. We've already fast forwarded. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring it back to another question, but we can fast forward through that one. So... Uh, so one of the, ta- the same casting agent that does Survivor does um, Lynn Spillman. She also does uh, The Amazing Race. Yeah. So we get a phone call. My brother, I get a phone call from my brother. My brother goes, Kim, you're my ticket. And they were like, they're doing Blood and Water, and which is like the sibling rivalry yeah. thing. And they're like, they saw you in one of the videos because I, I helped him with one of them. And they, who knew this? They keep all of the audition videos because they're like, oh, we like this person, but like they don't fit for this cast. So we're going to put them over here in this pile as in like promising person, but doesn't fit. Yes. So they keep them all. And my brother was in that pile. So go, John, you made it that far. But like, you know, they were like, oh, and he's got a sister noted. And so they called him up. He hadn't even applied that year, I think. And he was blown away. He was like, you're my ticket to survivor. And so I reapply the whole thing all over again. And then they call me. I'm coming out of band practice and they call me and they're like, Hey, we think you'd be great for the amazing race. And I was like, awesome. I think my brother would be stoked on that. They were like, Oh, no, about that. We really want you to be part of an all female team. Do you have a friend? 
And I just stopped dead in my tracks. And this just brought me back to that table flip moment. Yeah. Because I was like, this is my brother's fucking dream. Yeah. Like, and he's everything to me. And I was like, did you guys call him yet? And they were like, no. And I was like, I got to call you back. And I hung up on Lynn Spillman. I was like, just oh hung up. God. I was like, nah, I didn't do all this for myself. Yeah. I did this for him. Like, Respect. this isn't cool. Respect. So I'm standing in the cold outside of the, in Harlem at the metro station. I call my brother and I'm like, John, has you, have you talked to anybody? And he's like, no. And he was like, I was just like, why do I have to be the one to tell him? So I told him and he doesn't say anything. He just goes, you have to do it. Yeah. That's all he said. It's a good brother. And I was like, man, but this is your dream. Like, I don't like, yeah. I felt so bad. Right. I get it. And he just said it again. He goes, you have to do it. Okay, it's like twist my arm. I'll go on a yeah. ring. You know, like amazing race. <laughs> like took one for the team. Yes, I know, I know. But so fuck. Um, so we go on the amazing race and we do a lap of the globe. My friend Allie and I we do the lap of the globe in one month. What was it? Starting like? in New York, all the way around the world, back in New York, and like it was wild. We went. New York to the Virgin Islands, Virgin Islands to London, London to like somewhere outside of in like the English countryside, English countryside to Scotland, Scotland to the Shetland Islands, Shetland Islands to Malta and then Malta to Morocco, Morocco to the Atlas Mountains outside of Morocco is still in Morocco um, and then. Morocco to, I think from Morocco, we, sh- we jumped all the way to uh, Singapore. And Singapore, I'm pretty sure I'm not forgetting. Oh, we also went to Copenhagen. Copenhagen was in there. <laughs> and then Singapore, uh, we, got, we were crushing it. We were like doing first place finishes, second place finishes, doing a really good job. And then I got cocky, like I'm going to say this. Like we got this you know, fast forward challenge offered to us. We didn't need to take it. But I was like, we've been crushing it. Like, fast forward just means you go straight to the finish line. But you have to do a challenge before that. But you don't know what it is. And I was like, we we did our research. My roommate, my roommate at the time, Allie, and I, we had done our research. We moved to L.A. We didn't know anything about L.A. We threw literally our smartphones like, we were like, no more GPS because you don't have any smartphones on this show. So we're like, from now on, we use maps. And line. we like got around L.A. for like six months with like maps. We were like so ready for this show. And I was like, you know what? It's always an eating challenge. Like, I'll eat anything for this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was vegetarian, but I was like, screw yeah. it. Like, whatever. Make me go ball. It's fine. Um, and we get there and you <laughs> surfing. <laughs> no. What kind? High pressure wave, like man-made wave, like, you know, like a water park or something on this like board that's like the, the size of a freaking skateboard. And we had to stay up on the wave for two minutes simultaneously. Two of us simultaneously stay on that wave. And we are like, like what so but i mean we didn't have that mentality we were the only ones there so and you just get to keep trying indefinitely so we're like all right let's just get at it like falling down like fantastical just spilling just just eating shit eating shit out over and over and over and like of course we're on tv so we're like wearing makeup and like mascara is blunt like dramatic mascara found out our face like blah we're screwing it up and it's just like you know, wedgies and bikini mishaps and all the things happening, but we're like, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. And then the next team shows up and we have to share now. Cause like now you take turns. Like first team to get it, that's it. There is no second team to get it. 
if another team gets it, you're going back. And um, who shows oh. up? Bethany Hamilton. Bethany Hamilton. <sighs> do you know who that is? I do. I do. Shark yep, accident I do. professional yep, surfer. Of course. <laughs> oh, the humidity. And like people watching it that loved us were like, it was rigged. And it's like, it's not rigged. It's just the way it happened. That and it was honestly fucking crazy. It was a poor choice for us because like we were in the front and we could have just continued and made it probably first or second in that leg. But Bethany was in the last, she was in last place. So she had everything to lose. So of course she was going to take the challenge. So like logically it didn't make sense for us to do it. And I just got cocky. And so like lesson learned, we got eliminated, no million dollars for us, but we did manage to win like money along the way. And we won a car, each of us. And I gave that car to my brother. Shout out. John started his like young family, his first kid. He had a car, like good. Good So everything, it's not It worked out. It was an amazing experience. Humility. I learned a big lesson. You know, my old roommate still hates me. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Allie. That, that, that moment when you said Bethany came, I was just like, oh, you're <laughs> fucked. Dude. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like so it crazy. Goodbye. Yeah. goodbye. How long did it take for her to. Uh, two end? tries. Two. Because her husband, she she got it, but her husband um, was eating shit. So, but she just like whispered into his ear, and then they got Told up the second time. It was yeah. like, boom, done. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what she said, but it was like the yeah. magic words. Yeah. Damn. Whatever, it's life. It was a game show. At that moment, though, it must have sucked. It's fine. I honestly, I was bummed, but like, I think Allie took it way harder. She was pretty bummed. Like, we were, ooh, it was rough. Yeah, has she gotten over it? I mean, I think so. Oh, I think so. We're not like BFFs. But like, I think she forgiven me. Yeah. Well, what do you mean, forgiven you? Like, you didn't have to. Like I mean, I know she, yes she could have stood. I was very alpha in our relationship at the time. She has now blossomed into this. I mean, Ali, don't take that as a condescending thing. She was like, she was like eight years younger than me. Um, so, I mean, she has really come into her own now. But I think at that time she was still finding herself. And now she's like doing iron, iron woman, iron man's. And like she's crushing it in life and she's doing all these things. So like, but at the time... You know, we had moved to LA at the yeah. same time, and she was she had gone from working at Lululemon yeah. to like being on the Amazing Race. So it was like, yeah, you know, she didn't have time to like do a lot of other things to like learn and fail and fall on her face. So like, she didn't stand up to me, and when I said something, she kind of let me run it, and so I was kind of rampant at that time. So <laughs> holy shit, I've learned a lot more about listening and learning since then. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You know what? Take. Um every experience as it comes and if you can learn from it that's the most important thing right uh and i i want to ask you questions after that but i do want to dial it back real quick uh you were talking about soul cycle Mm -hmm. right how the heck did that all come about (laughs) i mean i was messing bike messengering and um like i said i was working in a gym i had like you know my friends were like the old in living color joke, you're Jamaican, you know, like 20 jobs. Um, so I had 20 jobs. And then one day the spin instructor didn't show up and I was like, I can do this. I ride a bike. And I like jumped in and was like, I can teach spin. And like, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was an awful class, but like New York sports club didn't care. And they were like, come audition. So I did. And they're like, do you have a certification? I was like, yeah, totally like lying. Through yes. You know, like make it, yes, like, fake yes, it so you make it. Yes. 
Um, so I did like, you know, two minutes of research on the internet and was like, heart rate zones, got it. Okay. You know, and, um, and then they let me teach and I had wait lists. Like I was crushing it. Like, you know, I just, I always had an ear for music and like, should have been a DJ, whatever. Like (laughs) I had, I had wait lists in all these studios and Julie Rice and um, Elizabeth Cutler were savvy businesswomen, although this was their first business. They didn't know what they were doing, but they did it right. Shout out to you guys. You crushed it. And Julie was coming from L.A. um, talent management. So she was just like scouting. She was I think she was probably one of the first people to ever apply that to fitness. And that's kind of how SoulCycle like birthed superstars boutique fitness. Like SoulCycle was really at the forefront of that. And that's because. A lar- in large part, Julie Rice t- t- treated it like I'm casting. Yeah, you know, she's like I. She had the um, the soulful one, you know, the grounded like Ruth Zuckerman, very grounded, very like Mama Earth, like I'm teaching a class. And then she had like like sort of the like the cocky badass, like hot Lori Cole. And then she had the um, the like fiery uh, lesbian. The spitfire, like, <laughs> just like, like, I will inspire you and turn your world upside down and make you think you also want to have an affair with me. Yes. Stacey Griffith. And then, and then she was just like, what else am I missing? You know? And then she's like, I need younger rebellion. That's what yes. I need. And she like finds it. She's like, you know, this girl was working for her, Heather and Heather knew me through the bike messenger once. She was like, you know, my friend's a bike messenger. She teaches spin. And she was like, interesting. Tell me more, you know? Oh and then gosh. they were like bugging me to come. And I was like, Upper West Side, that's like really far. I live in Brooklyn. That's like 14 <laughs> miles. Like, why are you going to make me do that? And I was like, basically, no. And they kept asking me to come. Finally, I came and they were like, this is what we'll pay you. And I was like, okay. You're like, yes. You know, because Julie Rice was very much like, what is it going to take? And she's like, money talks. Here you go. Like, yeah. And uh, she was like, I need like a rebellious young thing in here. And I had like half shaved head and tattoos and like, so like, this is what she needed to like kind of complete that little tableau. And um, so yeah, and so that's, she was very smart and that's how she got me in there. And that was, I think it's still on my bio at SoulCycle for a while. That was like, you know, it was like Ruth brings her nurturing soul. And it was like, Lori brings her sassy soul. And they would always start it with that sentence. And it was Kim brings her rebel soul. Yes. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's a badass bitch. Table flip. This is Boom. how I end here. <laughs> so. Damn. So that, uh, do you think for you at that moment, it started to kind of then also reshape, you know, who you were because uh, where you're at now, right? You go through that and you know, the amazing race and obviously probably steps in between. Hmm. Um, but the soul cycle job, was that kind of like a huge springboard for you? I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. I don't think I was, I should have been more aware of my, what was happening as it was happening. Um, I've always been kind of aloof about celebrities and I've always been kind of, um, just do my own thing. Like I always, I've been more attracted to like subcultures, bike messengers, bands, clubs, DJs. And so you know, SoulCycle in the in the beginning was a very much like Upper West Side, Upper East Side clientele. And I was just like, I have nothing in common with these people. Let me play Saul Williams. I used to haunt my pillow at night. Because, like, I was like, <laughs> I'm like playing some crazy music in here. 
um, sassy at one point. I was like, I'm going to open with, you're a rich girl and you got to. And I'm like, it's the Upper East Side. Yes. You love this song. Like, I was just, I was kind of a cunt. Um, <laughs> I love that word. I should have been more like the business person that I am now. Okay. I was, I was still very much the ADD artist. So I didn't have any systems in place. I wasn't, I wasn't eye on the prize. Like now I'm very much more a career woman, businesswoman. Like if I was in that role now, I would have been getting a client list. I would have been doing like, you know, keeping a catalog of everyone who came in the door and like knowing that when I'm ready to start my own thing, I know who to call. Yes. You know, just rubbing elbows and like, I've never been someone to be friends with somebody or to spend time with someone just because I wanted to pick their brain or or get closer to what they were doing. I never sought out mentors, which, you know, to my detriment, I should have. But I also saw a lot of that as like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. Um, you know, so it took me longer. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're getting out yeah, of this, but yeah. it was like <laughs> I just a great story. Free workouts. <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're all on YouTube now. Have at it. Shots. Okay. Um I wanna kinda just then pivot after the me and oh, to inter- to interrupt though, you asked me what I got but what I got out yeah, of it yeah. is like came much, much later when I started to uh, get scouted by other companies to do a larger role than just instruct. And so that's when like, I was like, Oh, people view me for this experience that I didn't value at all. So I like, I wasn't really, I didn't see my value until other people kind of showed it to me. Therapy. I'm I'm in it now. Respect. I love it. I love it. No, 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 no. It's it's good. Learning your self-worth. It is. Before other people show you. Yeah. Well, that's hard for a lot of people, you know. It's hard. And in business, I feel like it's especially hard for women and like, uh, I don't know. It's true, though. It's true. I mean, we just live in this culture we have for a long time where, you know, women have got the short side of the stick, you know, and things are changing, right? So uh, slowly but surely, things change. And um it's important to talk about it. You know, yeah. I keep on hearing you say it over and over again because it means a lot to you, but it also is true. It's yeah. facts. At yeah. the end of the day, it's facts. Ooh, that's the first time I said that at the end of the day because I say that shit a lot. Is that people, a thing? It is a thing. And it's mm-hmm. the only thing that I, I, I was working on, right? And it's the first time. Shout out, Tyler, uh, whoever the fuck else called me out on it. Oh, Stephen Gizzy, my editor. Respect. Hey. One time, one time only. All right. Um, I, you know, I, do you ever edit yourself? I don't. I don't. Well, I do like the videos. No, I mean, do you edit your podcast or you edit the videos? Uh, like very little, very, very little. But you watch it. Um, I've listened to some of them, but it's hard. Okay. Well, it's hard. I feel like I learned some of the most important life lessons about like most important things about myself from editing myself via all my YouTube channels. It taught me so much about, you know, not someone else having to tell me you say this a lot. I see it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I say I'm a lot or... Yeah, I pause I get, letter, you know. I get that. I get that. I get that. The videos I'm editing, you're actually the second video to go live on the podcast. I'm so right? glad I did my hair. Yes. Shout out to your <laughs> I hair. I mean, I didn't do yeah. my hair, but I dyed, <laughs> I dyed it. Okay. So we were talking earlier um, about uh, the amazing race. And after that, because you now moved to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, when you got back from the amazing race, what happened next to you? Um, a flurry of red carpets and PR events and stuff like that. So it was very like, you know, LA, LA for me. 
And I just moved here, so I was like, oh, here's L.A. And That's I was like, crazy. loved it and hated it because I never felt comfortable on a red carpet ever. I've, I'm not yeah. one of those people who could, like, stand there and pose. I would hate that. Um, it's awkward. Yeah. Uh, and somebody hit me up. I can't remember who now. Was like, there's a bike team assembling. Um, do you still race? And I was like, well, I mean, I haven't been really I've been doing this TV thing. And they're like, <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're doing races in uh, London, Barcelona, Holy Milan. Uh, are you interested? And I was like, I mean, sure, give them, <laughs> give them my name, you yeah. know. And it's so crazy because it was uh, the Red Hook Crit, which got started in Red Hook, Brooklyn, yeah. by a guy that I was good friends with. And so he started, he started this bike race that turned into like a phenomenon. It got That's sponsored awesome. by Rockstar Games. Damn. And then he, um, I think he came from a family who did cycling and cycling events. So he had like sort of his footing in that. Um, and then so he produced it in London, Barcelona, Milan. It got so popular in Europe because Europeans actually value cycling yeah. and they love it. Um, so it was this big thing. And brands were starting to be like like cycling brands and, and were starting to assemble like teams because they're there's real, it was being televised, like Red Bull, or I don't remember. It was being televised. It was a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, teams were getting assembled because these brands were like, we want to be seen. And so I just happened to fall into this oh because this coach was looking for someone because it's a fixed, I left out an important part. It's a, it's a fixed gear, brakeless fixed gear. Crit, oh, that's not, okay, 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 okay. Which, so he couldn't just pull from like professional cyclists. No. Because there are no, this didn't exist yet. It's a new form. Um, so, wow. you know, it's like, it's like when Red Bull Rampage is happening, you can't just grab any mountain biker. You have to grab like the one that's willing to like, uh, who's also done trials and also yes. like, you just need a mixed bag of skills. Yeah. So this guy, um, Sean Burke, he was my cycling coach at the time. He was assembling a mixed bag of talent of like professional road racers, um, one triathlete who was just like strong as hell. And then like, he was like, let me find someone who's raced fixed gear before. He's like, he got my name from someone. He's like, oh, she's been a messenger. Great. She'll be able to get through a pack. Like, yeah. like he, he just, he had a real knack for the same way Julie Rice kind of casted, you know, teachers. He had a really, um, he had a really good knack at, at assembling this team and he assembled the event and factory team. I'm still, I still race event and bikes or ride event and bikes. And, um, and and we dominated for four years. We like won the series for four years. So it was like Holy all of a sudden shit. I'm being considered a professional cyclist. What? Like that happened overnight. Like Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that happened like overnight. Like big shout out to my teammates though, because they're kind of what I feel <sighs> like I mean, here I am also like just downplaying maybe. I'm sure I was a strong member of the team, yes. But my teammates were like fire. So I just was in amazing company, right? Like, and I brought like, you know, the people knew me from the street world. So there were a lot of followers of this race who weren't like they weren't from the professional cycling world. They were from the street world. So like when we go to these races, they'd be like, Kim, no, stop, Kim, no, stop, Kim, no. Yeah. Like I was the celebrity. That's crazy. And meanwhile, you had like a world champ racing on our team and no one, yeah. like people were just like, I mean, not that they would get yeah. no love, yeah. but yeah. I would always get the of most course, love, obviously. which was wild. Yeah. Like why am I For getting the most love, right? I was never an athlete. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'm a professional athlete. Under Armour sponsoring me. What Red Bull, the fuck? Red Bull sponsoring me. Like I'm like, what? 
who am like I didn't even it didn't even make any sense. That's insane. You know, it was wild. It was it was fast and furious. I got to say it was like I think it was really like four hot years and then um, and then it fizzled because the race series uh, Dave got burnt out and he had been doing it for, I think, nine years. And so he was just like, we're going to take a hiatus. And he his race had spawned all these other like, you know, spinoffs. And so but one by one, I think a lot of them kind of fizzled. It was like. The whole sport really like burned really brightly and then kind of fizzled. Yeah. It still exists. So there's still fixed gear racing, fixed yeah. gear criterium racing. Um, but it's just not as as fire. And it's definitely segued more into gravel racing now, which is what I do now. But um, you know, it's just uh it's it was this crazy superstar athlete life that I just never thought I would be. Like, just, look at that. I mean that's just <laughs> that crazy. happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean. And meanwhile, I was still teaching spin classes and like doing fitness. Seriously? So yeah. Damn, damn. So <laughs> nonstop, <laughs> just like literally nonstop. It's on brands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally is. I mean, when people uh, listen to this, their mouths are going to be on the floor, especially the, like your followers. I mean, maybe. Like, no, like straight <laughs> up. How the fuck do you move to Los Angeles? Uh, like the amazing race, all that, and then all of a sudden, now you're professional bike racer. Yeah, Just I mean, like, and you didn't train for it, you know, your whole entire life, right? I mean, you did the messenger. Now, I well, I guess actually you yeah. did, but you didn't know you were. I didn't training know for I was it. training for it. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, right. And so now you've been able to build your life around um, all of this and, yeah. and build a persona and yeah. build an online personality. And uh, when you go to these events, people, you know, look at you as someone special, and that's really fucking cool. Yeah. How does that feel though? When all of this started happening, right? Uh, this celebrity status, was it hard for you to grip? Was it, <laughs> did you eat it You're up alive? acting like it was like real, like people stopping me in the street. No, it no, wasn't. no, no, no. But when you go to these events. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the ADD brain has like, I have a challenge with like being surrounded by that many people and people talking to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like, a, it's like overload and yeah. it's kind of anxiety, uh, inducing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think people pick up on it because I'm always, I have my switch that goes, Hey, yeah, you want a photo? Sure. We'll have a photo. Yeah. What's your name? Oh, have a great, like good, good luck or have fun today. It's really nice meeting you. And then like two seconds later, I have no idea what happened or what I was doing or what's next. I'm on to the next thing. It's just like, uh, it's really insane. Um, but other than that, like as soon as it's over, um, I'm just like, okay, decompress, you know? And, you know, but it was, it didn't affect me in any negative way or like give me a big head or anything like that because I was always very acutely aware of how much more talented my teammates were than I. That's good. I mean, here's the thing. And when you're on a team, everyone has a role, right? And I found my role was, uh, more as a, uh, domestique in cycling is like the person on the team that does a lot of work, but doesn't win. We're not the winners. We're not the people that cross the line first. We're the ones yeah. that like fuck up the Peloton. I, I hesitated to use that. <laughs> I was like, we fuck up the Peloton. Like we yeah. get in there and we're like, I'm going to attack. I'm going to block. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set you up to like, you know, yes. that's we're, we're chess pieces. Um, so that's what we do. And that's where I found my, my spot. Um, David Santos really helped me with that. He was like, you know, you have a lot of endurance. Like, I think it was from spin, teaching spin for so many years. You know, like, I'll teach three spin classes in a day and then I'll go on a training ride. And eventually my coach was like, you're doing too much. Like, you're going to be faster if you rest. (laughs) 
did not know that light bulb. Like I was like, you're lying. But actually once I started resting, I was like, holy shit, I'm so much faster. It's true. All these things I just like didn't know had to learn in my mid thirties. Like who would have told, if you had told me at any point in my life that at 35 years old, I was going to get a professional, like I was going to get sponsored as a, as an athlete, I would have like just snorted in your face, like, <laughs> yeah, but you're all like you're on something. Like that was such a crazy yeah. moment. So it's <laughs> like especially for your life because it was like you know, people train for this their whole life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you might have been training for it, not knowing that you yeah. were training for it, but uh then all of a sudden this shit yeah. starts to happen. It, it's uh one, it's exciting, but two, just kind of looking from the outset, it, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's so it's, crazy. It's kind of like, but vi- it's amazing. I feel like it's like hitting a viral video. You know, you're like, yeah. like if there's a like, like let's say you're really good. You know, okay, you remember when you're in school and there was like that one kid that could do the Running Man really cool, good. Yes. And all of a sudden, everyone knew that kid's name. Yeah. Right. So it's like I could ride a fixed gear bike really well. And I could go fast and I had like no fear because I was like, this is second nature to me. It's just like kind of a not useful skill until it was. Yeah. And it burned really bright. You know, there you go. <laughs> like, oh, here's my useless skill. Let me bring it so far. <laughs> but you bring other people happiness. So, yeah. it's, you know, joy and, you know, and, and help other people. Yeah. And I started a women's team. So I have like a, a women femme trans uh, team called Team Nonstop. And I, it was a Devo team, development team. And I got racers like, you know, covered their expenses, got them into racing, got them bikes. And that's something I'm still continuing to do. And it's like a mission of mine to get more women, uh, femme, trans, POCs, like opportunities in bike racing. Because it is, I mean, we're very, I think the cycling world is very aware of this. Maybe the outside world isn't, but it's a very white man sport. And, uh, you know, it takes money. You need to be able to afford the fancy bikes. You need to like, also like who goes out on these like bike rides. It's like the people who have, you know, the money for the bikes and the culture. And like, there's a lot of, I mean, women are not encouraged to just like go out on bike rides. There's always someone to be like, aren't you scared of cars? Or like, aren't you scared to go out on your own? Or like, what if you get a flat tire? Like, you know, there's always someone to dissuade us. Yes. And like people of color, um, there's a cultural divide a lot of times with like, you know, riding a bike for transportation is seen as you're poor. Yeah. Because a lot of third world countries are like, that's what you do if you're poor. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's like, you know, why would I ride a bike when I could have an Escalade? Like why not? You know, of course you should drive the Escalade as a status symbol. And, you know, if you're a, a African-American in this country and you're riding a bike, people might just assume you're poor. So crazy. Which sucks, right? It's like, fucking shitty. Like that's so messed up, right? It is. It's so messed up. So shout out to like, you know, um, Aisha McGowan, Justin Williams. They are doing a lot to like raise awareness for like. I mean, Justin Williams was like the national champ, crit national champ, and he's from LA. So actually, you should interview him. I would love amazing. that. Amazing. You better set that up. He's amazing. We'll talk after. Um, and Aisha too, but she's in uh, she's in Atlanta, so that's kind of a little hard. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. No, that's that's amazing. Um, the sport is getting shook. Is no, it's 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 really. It needs to be cool. shook. Why? You you said something really important. You're like when uh, you know you see African American, a black person, right, riding a bike. Um, people think that they're poor. 
They might. Like, they you might. Know? No, 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 no. They, they fucking do. Like, right. let's just be honest. Like, like I'm just a white woman riding a bike, but like with orange hair, you might just think I'm a scr- you know. Yeah, you're a hipster. I'd be like, right? you're or she's poor. Or she's yeah, 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 yeah. She's a bartender. Yeah, well, uh, for sure, Whatever. right? Um, and it's so crazy because I'm just gonna be fucking real, like I always am. When I got my uh, brand new Lexus, right, mm-hmm. um, and I would pull up, and it was like the F Sport, and it was fucking all decked out, right. There's a feeling that I felt inside because people are like, oh, that fucking car's cool, right? That, yeah. that car's cool. People react to it, material things. It, right? And so if I pulled up in a beat-up Honda Civic, what do people think? Or if you pulled up on a Huffy. Right? Or like even fucking if you- Fucking Huffy, man. If yes. You pulled no, up on so a, if you pulled up on a Fixie, though, yeah. like no, even if you pulled up on like a $5,000 bike in LA, yeah. nobody knows what no. a $5,000 bike is. Nope. LA needs to get off their car culture. Like yeah. people say all, this is a, like, I'm going to go on a soapbox for a second. People are like, you need a car in LA. Bullshit. I moved here with, I didn't have a car for two years. After that, I shared a car with my roommate, not because I needed to for money. I am really good with money. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's freaking managing my money. I could always afford a car. I just didn't want to have a car because the weather is beautiful every single day and if i make it so easy for myself to just hop in a car and sit in traffic like of course i'm gonna do that like no i wanted to ride my bike places i wanted to encourage myself to ride my bike places and it's so stupid the way people look at me when i'm riding a bike i'm like you don't know me (laughs) like it's so fucking crazy right (laughs) la is so dumb they're like you need a car you don't (laughs) need a car it never rains yeah like there's miles of bike path that are completely separate from the cars like people are like oh there's no bike paths that's because you drive. You don't know. Yeah. There's the Bayona Creek bike path that's like eight miles completely separate from cars. There's a, the LA River bike path that's like 12 miles completely separate from cars, maybe more. You can ride so literally much. completely through LA for like 50 something miles down to Manhattan Beach da, yep. da, 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 and never even see a car. It's so true. You know, what's so funny, I want to point out two things. And you'll get there faster. <laughs> you will. You will. You will. Maybe. But, but, Maybe but when we talked uh, and you were going to come on the podcast, you're like, oh, I'm going to take the train, right? And then I was like, no, I'm going to send you a fucking car. Uh, but I was like, damn, fucking, she's going to take the train? That's so weird, right? Like, Does she not like, have like, a car? Like, no, 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 no. I never thought that at oh, once. Really? I didn't think you were poor. I didn't think anything yeah. of that because I don't think that way, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I was like, fuck, that's awesome, you, you know, because- I, so one thing that I always like to do, you know, my wife and I'll drag her along with me whenever we go to like different cities, states, uh, when we travel all throughout Europe for our honeymoon, we rode bikes everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if she was in here right now, I'm a fucking bike fanatic. I want to ride bikes everywhere because the difference of hopping in a car or a train compared to riding a bike for me, especially when you're going somewhere new. As you get to see everything, you yeah. get to experience things on such a different yeah. level. Um, and you're right, you can ride bikes everywhere. You know, I mean, pretty much everywhere, right? But most people are not going to, and 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 it is what it is. And as we move forward in the future, and cars drive themselves, and all of this shit, that's a whole different story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to just dial back and bring it back to your story, right? Um, you're going through all of this. Uh, the amazing race, then the the four years traveling all over. At what point did social media and YouTube and all of this start to really take off? And or how did it even work? That's a great you? question. I don't. I like know. I started my Instagram account when I was still in my band, and I like had that you know boyfriend that we were like fighting all the time um, because like some of my first posts. I never take them down because yeah. I think it's like it's like tattoos. I don't cover up yeah. tattoos. 
Oh really? Because I'm no, That's even though stupid. I've got I've got some <laughs> I've got some bad tattoos too. I should probably cover them up. But I I don't know. I'm just like that's who I was at the time. It's kind of like a scrapbook. I get it. So um, I mean, I'm sure if I had something really, if I had something offensive, I would cover it up. But like, I don't. I was never a Nazi, so I'm cool yeah. on yeah. that front. Oh, seriously? You know, I wasn't. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but <laughs> soundbite. I was yes. never a Nazi. So darn. To. That's good. That's gonna be the soundbite for this clip. <laughs> you should hear the one for Will. I had uh, Billy Bob Thornton's son on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I put it out today. The sound clip. I'm sure he hates me right now, but I love you, dude. Uh, I saw. I saw it come out. And I yeah, was like, "Ooh, yeah, that looks good." Yeah. It's been... fucking good. Talk a lot about mental illness and shit <laughs> like that. Uh, but like, I mean, I started Instagram just casually like anybody else. Um, and I don't know at what point it started to blow up. I think it, that was like just super organ- organic, gradual growth. I think, I guess I was an early adopter. Okay. Um, and then with YouTube, same thing. I got in before the flood. Yeah. And um, I wasn't making terrible content. I was making pretty good content. Yes. And it was it was very authentic. Yeah. It was like, there was no filter. Exactly. Um, and so that was, I remember cause I started my channel with six well-produced videos with lighting and someone else shooting it and editing it for me because yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing. But then I was like, Hey dude, I'm not gonna be able to afford this. Him and his wife, um, were helping me. And I was like, I'm not gonna be able to afford this. Nate and Melissa, like teach me how to do this. I'll, I'll pay you for a day to just teach me. Yes. And so they did. And then of course it was like crap at first, but like yeah. my first crappy video had the most views. Yes. And I think because people were like, oh, she's doing this. It's not like a, a brand or a commercial. So it's a huge um, difference. Yeah. And then that just, you know, that that just kept going. I was consistent. I think people ask me, like, how do you become successful? Um, I was consistent. I put out a video every single week, religiously. Uh, I posted consistently. Uh, I was always consistently myself, um, honest and succinct. I didn't go on forever. I'm like, this podcast, no <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to this who wants it. My mom. There's a lot of people hey, that mom. will listen to it. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, that's that's what I did. And it just worked for me. For sure. No, I get it. Absolutely. I, I, I want to bring back to something that you just said. Is it, it goes on forever, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, these <laughs> podcasts could be 45 minutes long and maybe it would blow up a lot faster, right? But it wouldn't be true to the story. It wouldn't be true to my story. Yeah, it wouldn't I respect be organic. That. And it wouldn't be true to your story because if we're going to tell you know, bits and pieces of your story in 45 minutes compared to two hours, there's a huge fucking difference, that's right? True. That's and, true. Um, you know, it's it's real and organic, and mm-hmm. that's what made you uh, likable. And uh, nah. no, it's it's true. Nah. You know, I mean, because those six, you know, fucking awesomely edited ones and lights and all that shit, compared to the one that you did that was real, it's yeah. it's important. What role has social media played for you in your life? I'm I. It's definitely a love hate. Um, I struggled with it for oh like recently in the last couple of years I struggled with it a lot cuz I was like I don't like when people are on their phones all the time yeah I mean we're we're doing a podcast right now and there is a camera on but when I'm talking to somebody face to face this is how it goes yeah I do not pick up my phone my phone is always face down do not disturb mode because I really value human interaction me too and I do see it disappearing in our culture. Um, not completely, but you know, in a lot of instances and especially in the younger generation, it's, it's scary. And I'm like, how am I contributing to this? Also materialism. We talked about that a bit. 
I was like, I don't want to promote anything that isn't um, going to make this world, like, am I working, making this world a better place at the end of the day? Yeah. And I asked myself that so much while I was doing it because um, there was a point where after my injury, I was literally living off of my influencer freelance work. Like I was a full-time influencer. Yes. Which the word makes me gag. I, <laughs> and Why I, though? And I heard different Tyler call them educators, and I was like, "Oh, that's so precious." Uh, well, it just depends. Like, There's different. They're different. In the hair industry, there are definitely educator influencers. I mean, I love the word educator, yeah. but yeah. like, okay, well, they're a fucking influencer, sure, because of social media, but. Yeah, you know what? I think there's. I mean, if you could back. call me an educator, that's great. Like, if my, I mean, I've seen YouTubers that like make like math YouTube, which I'm like, that's really cool. You're an educator, but like, mine's like, I do educate you on like how to like fix your bike and how to do this and like. What is that though? That's an educator. Yeah, but that's not every video, and some videos okay. are just like, yeah, here's just a whatever. bike race. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I get it. It's get entertainment. It. Or sure, it's absolutely. You know, so. Whatever. He likes to spin things certain ways to make it sound I'm better. I'm not saying I like the way he spins things. Turn shit to gold. Yeah. <laughs> to gold. You're doing it. I'm, I'm gonna learn. I'm well, learning. That's why he's become so successful. So. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm, he's my next mentor. I got this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's uh he's he's an awesome dude. He's a really freaking great dude uh, to le- to learn from to kind of just push forward. All right. Fuck well, you. Tyler. He's actually a total dick in real life. No, he really is a total <laughs> dick. He's a total dick, but he's the ah, best. I'm he's like the best God. dick that I know because ah. he's as real as they come, and uh, I like that. Okay. I like that person. All right, fuck you, Tyler. Let's move on. All right. Um, so, going through all of this, right? Your your four years of traveling around. Mm-hmm. Where what comes next? Where are you now with everything? Social media, you know, just all of this. What what came next? Um, so bike racing, like the height of the bike racing, um, I would say it probably like took a pretty hard halt with, um, my injury, my knee injury. Yeah. Um, I did Leadville, which is the hardest mountain bike race in the country. (laughs) No big deal. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I didn't win it, but like I did it. It's, it's one of those races where it's like, I finished it, which is a huge feat, right? Like, um, and, uh, finished it on the first try. So cool. Good job. Also, there's like thousands of racers registered there were only a hundred women which is like come on really why is that and i think there were two people of color why again bike racing very white sport um but also leadville is an extremely challenging race they have very strict time cutoffs okay and they don't have them by category they don't have them by age group so it's like very discouraging i think i mean it's kind of like you either run it with like all the white men or you or you're done, you're out. So like, there's, I mean, there's no like. For sure. There's no categories. So it's not an inclusive race. Um, And I've criticized them about this before and I think they're trying. But anyway, I did that. I got the medal. I go home. I have like a little bit of rest. I go back to work. I'm teaching a soul cycle. I hop off the podium. I jump in the class. I'm stoked. I'm like, jump. I land weird. Something goes pop. I don't know what. I was like, huh, my knee feels funny. Feels wobbly. Feels kind of fat. Next thing I know, I get back on the I get back on the bike. I'm like, it's not working. Like, what's going on? I'm very confused. Pretty sure it did something, but maybe I just need ice. No. 
fully fucking blew up my ACL, like rupture of my ACL. So now I'm facing like the worst injury I've ever had. I don't know what to do. Wish I had broken a bone. Like most cyclists break their collarbone. Like I I pop my ACL, like just like that, you know, getting old. I mean, actually, some of it, there's a theory, like, my quads were probably burnt out from doing Leadville, and your quads and your hamstring system, like, support your knee, so I didn't have a lot of support because I was just exhausted, so I think I just didn't, I probably didn't rest enough. Anyway. Once again. So, I'm out for a year and a half. Like, that just puts a nail in my racing career. Um you can bounce back a little faster, especially if you're a cyclist, but I had like health insurance. I couldn't get the, the surgery right away. So like things just were tied up. And, uh, and so during that time I was doing the influencer, like just trying to like hustle as an influencer. And, um, this guy, Nate Jewel, uh, connects with me and he's like, I want to start a fitness studio, um, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm influencing, obviously. <laughs> I'm an influencer. And I was like, I'm recovering from knee surgery. I think I was just getting my knee surgery when he hit me up. And I was like, uh, talk to me in a month. And he was like, cool, I'm launching a, a mobile fitness studio. It's going to be the first in the world. It's yeah. never been done before. Uh, do you want to create the workout for it and and recruit the trainers and make this thing reality? Holy shit. Um, and I was like, uh, do I like, um, can I, and this is what goes back to the whole, like knowing your worth, but like someone else has to validate it. And that's where I was like, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I've never done that before. But then I like, my friends were like, Kim, you've created workouts for, you created a whole program for bodybuilding.com. You've created workouts for shape. You created workouts for your YouTube channel every single day. She's like, you've been there since, you know. Uh, I do have a mentor, but she was like, you've been there. You've been a soul cycle since day one. You know so much about how the business works. You, you, you have, you were an OG, like, of yeah. course you're qualified. And I was like, huh, you're overly, you're right. <laughs> I am qualified. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. Yes. You know? I take this job, yes. never work for a startup. It's a startup. Like we have, you know, seed money and yeah. like and there's all this stuff. And then like, all of a sudden I'm just like, whoa, nose to the grindstone, never been in this culture before, like don't really know, I'm totally overwhelmed, like what's going on, I'm working so much, I never get to work out anymore, what's happening to me, like yeah. <laughs> this is like all this stuff, you know, like I'm I'm the PR manager, I'm, I'm the trainer manager, so I'm doing hats. this, I'm doing that, I was like literally doing all the jobs that Nate wasn't doing and he was doing a lot of jobs, yeah. but there were a lot of jobs to be done. Um, and we ended up uh, by... We launched in June, which is crazy. Six months later, we had this thing built, the world's first mobile studio. And when I say this, like, you guys, if you haven't seen it, just look up Drift. It's Drift with a Y because Kim with a Y, duh. duh. Uh, but he already had the name before he got me. <laughs> so, but I just like to say that. Uh, Drift with a Y, D-R-Y-F-T. Um, and it's letsdrift.com is the website. But just, like, go look up the Instagram, Let's Drift. Uh, it will blow your mind. It is not just like a van with some TRX bands. It's not what you're thinking. Everyone thinks, everyone that sees it in person is like, whoa, like, wait a minute. Holy shit. This is what you're doing? Like, they're always like, 
It's this that. Is it's not, that. It's that crazy. Uh, it's definitely. It was named most Instagrammable studio by ClassPass in all of the Shut country. Up. All of the country. I mean, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. The sound system's incredible. The trainers are amazing. Like I can't say enough good stuff about this. And I guess I had a hand in it. So like, obviously, man, like, oh, I did that. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's really great. And it's. Um, I, I told him I was like, we can't do cycling because I still was employed with SoulCycle. Yeah. Um, currently as of now, I'm no longer with SoulCycle, uh, very recent. I was just like, it's time to cut the cord, like the umbilical cord, you know? Um, but we couldn't do cycling because, uh, I can't, I can't compete with them. Uh, but we're like, I was like, you know, rowing coming back from my ACL injury, rowing was one of the first things I could do. And it makes your joints stronger, not weaker. It's like a really great exercise for your whole entire body. And it's hard as hell. Like rowing is hard. Uh, but there's a way to make it fun. I was like, I was like, listen, this is hard, but I can make this fun. Soul cycle made stationary cycling fun. Like I can do this. And so we do some choreography. We like have the music. It's time. Your intervals are timed to the music. Like you are in it. You know, it's like very much like the best way to describe it is like Barry's bootcamp, but with rowers. Okay. So, cause you do half the floor is strength. And like, you know, we call it the deck cause you're outside. So it's like the deck and the crew. And that's the two sections of the room and it's just 40 people in the space. And then it's open air. So you can have like, you have the view of like the water and Alcatraz it's in San Francisco. And so, you know, that's the flagship is in San Francisco and you have the golden gate bridge and it's just, it's amazing. It's really mind blowing. It's a very unique experience. That's so so cool. um, It's expanding. It's happening. I love that. Things are going. And you're still with them. Yeah. That's that's fucking cool. How long how long ago did you guys launch? Now uh, June. So of, literally this this yeah. past June. Yeah. Congratulations. It's a baby. That and is so fucking cool. We didn't cool. become we didn't have a regular spot until September. So okay. I think we've only been like doing the thing in its actual form for a few months, and we just had our biggest month yet as far as um, turnout or referrals or forty percent referral rate. So it's really. It's a really great, and we don't have any like major money backing. Like, I mean, I we had that. some seed money, but like, um, you know, it wasn't like, it's not like the way Rumble goes out. Yeah, yeah. We don't have Equinox behind us. Um, it's very, it's kind of grassroots right now, which is what I loved about Soul Cycle in the beginning. I love like the start yes. of things. Yeah, um, I can tell. I can see the way that you're talking about it, the way that it's your eyes light It's a beautiful, when up. everybody wears so many different hats yeah. and everybody is chipping in and everybody's a part of it. Like every trainer that works at Drift right now is, is we call them founding instructors and they're all like, they all have equity. It's kind of like, almost feels like a little bit like a cooperative, you know, yes. it's like yeah. everyone is pitching in and it's beautiful. That's huge though. You know, what you just, everyone has equity, right? They feel like they have a Give piece them a of piece. something. It's so big it's so important and it makes the individual work harder um one thing i want to dial back on is i told you that we would talk about your acl <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast i told you we'd get there it's not that interesting yeah. no it's, it's not, not, like it's not. no 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 no, no, no. But, but then it led to something special right um all, all of these things so uh what's next for you what is next is is there anything i'm gonna else? get married and have some babies really <laughs> i mean that's like kind of something that i'm like i did all these things are shifting. The systems are in place for me to finally realize like, Oh, okay. It's okay. It's not like, uh, the, it's not like, 
you know, the feminist in me is like, it's not a trap. It's okay. Like, yes, you can it have, is. You can have a kid too. Of course. Like, I think, I think I needed to become the boss of something though, yeah. in order to allow myself, <laughs> I had to be the boss first. Now, yeah. okay, now I can have a kid. So like, that's kind of like on the horizon, dreaming about that, where that's going to go. Um, you know, just, I want to, I want to own a house. I don't own a house yet. Like I kind of, I kind of feel like success has not fully reached me. Or I, I have that. not reached I it until that. I own the house. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've been investing, I'm doing like the money. I feel like I'm good with money. I could be better, but I'm like starting to really put my energy into understanding and like wealth management and talk to my girlfriends about like, this is the salary I earned. Like, like, you know, just understanding, like talking about money and salary and, you know, what is your household making? Like, do you earn more than your husband? Or like all these dynamics of things that we haven't been talking about. And now I'm listening to money podcasts. Good and so for you. that's what's next for me is to like, okay, cool. I'm a boss, but like, I really want to be a boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. I, um, I had Paul Nelson on, um, and I have someone coming up as well. Uh, by the name of Austin who owns, uh, very successful, uh, like wealth management company, and but really is focusing on the educate, focusing on the education part. And then Paul Nelson as well. I brought them on to really speak about this, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's not only just for women, but as a whole, as a nation, mm-hmm. right? And especially the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're going to school, you're going to high school, right? Um, why isn't this? Why is this not taught? <laughs> like, right? what does algebra do for like, me? What like, the oh. fuck? The algebra, geometry. Like, most people are not going to use that. Most right, uh, but understanding about debt and understanding about just—I mean—all of the things that we need to use for our day-to-day life and mm-hmm. set people up is not only going to help these individuals, but it will help the nation as a whole. Right. And for you, speaking with your girlfriends about it, it's right. so fucking important. It's like, here's the thing: I didn't know this, but I had enough money to buy a house in yeah. when I was like in my twenties. I—I yeah. I didn't know though that it was even a possibility because I didn't know like what it took. And I was just like, Oh, that's something that and living growing up in New York too. And like living in New York city, I didn't know anyone else that owned a house or owned property. So why would I like, it just wasn't, it's like, it goes back also to like female athletes. Like you can't be what you can't see is like a, a thing that people say like visionaries are, that's why visionaries are so amazing. You know, um, trailblazers, people that are the first to do it. But like, for women, a lot of times, like, you know, you're growing up and you're like, uh, you know, I don't see myself being the first human to trek Antarctica because yeah. no human's done it. And also women are always the second. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, a, a, a guy growing up in the inner city who is black might be like, I'm not going to be the lead singer of a punk band, even though I'd love to, but I've never seen it. So the more you see happening, so the more peers I have that like own property and the more people I know that are like running businesses, it becomes easier and more accessible. And I have people I can ask questions to. Um, But yeah, like I didn't even know that I could buy a house back then and I still can. I just like haven't uh, found something or like it's just the logistics at this point. Um, but like, you know, God, I could have like, man, the housing crisis, like oh, I could have yeah. cashed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and most people didn't know. Most, yeah. most, most people did not know. Right. Yeah. Um, so now you're at this really pivotal time in your life. Where, also, sorry to okay. interrupt. Yeah, you were saying you? about your friends that are, are wealth management and stuff and they're, they're men. No offense. Um, not, I'm sure they're amazing, but like guys, I notice when they talk about money and this is also cultural, like you're, 
you're it's ingrained for men yeah. to sound like they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's attractive. Women want to know they want a guy that knows what he's doing. For they sure. want to feel confidence. something that's in control, confidence. Um so when men talk about money, I've I've learned this actually when I started talking money to my guy friends. I'd be like, man, they sound like they really know what they're talking about. And then I hear where their personal finances are. And I'm like, you're a mess. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't have your yes. shit together. Yeah, yeah. I am doing so much better than you. And you yeah. sound like you're doing a million. You sound like you own everything. Yeah. I sound like I'm not doing anything. And I roll up to a place on a bicycle. Yeah. Everybody thinks I'm poor, but I'm like, yeah, I've got money. In the bank. <laughs> I've got investments. Like, yeah. So I'm trying to own that a little bit more. Like I am successful. Like yes. there it is. Yeah, like I got that. This. Respect that. But also know something I'll make a rebuttal to it. I'll never bring anyone on to talk about wealth that isn't fucking bought. Like, the, like yeah, I, 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 mean, I wouldn't. I, 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 I just wouldn't. And low key, I do want to talk to them because I want to yeah, know more. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, they're, I'm still they're, they're new. Fucking amazing. But I'd also bring on a woman. I don't give a shit. Like if it's a guy, girl, yeah. lady, I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. I, I I just want educated people yeah. talking about it that know their shit and then actually can back up their shit, right? And now. even more so, like, if you brought a woman on, I'd be more I would, I would listen to that, that podcast first. Yeah. In regards to financial, because I want to hear it from a woman's mouth. Absolutely. Like, the, the, the number one podcast I have is from a woman. So, hey. right? Yeah. So, shout out to that, right? Um, all right. So... Was that the tale of two titties? Yeah, that is the tale yeah, of two yeah, titties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the first like Melfie MacGyver. Eight minutes of that are gold. I didn't make it through the rest only yeah. because someone interrupted like six me. Six hours long. No, no some someone interrupted me, but that's why. Yeah. Um, but her holding up a mirror. Yeah. Parent, yeah. it's it's amazing. She's got. She's got. Uh, she is a smart woman. She is a very smart woman, right? Um, but um, you know, as as we wrap this up, I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story you are very intelligent right and we didn't even really know each other right penelope penelope connected us right she's like here are five people that you need to talk to right (laughs) and three of them said yes to come on and one one of them is you right and uh and i appreciate that from the bottom of my heart right because i do believe after listening to your story is very inspirational i mean this has been super fun so thank you and i don't like talking like i mean it feels a little bit like we're at a bar so it's okay like like, (laughs) that's the point but like if there were people here i would never have let this go on yeah i get it like you guys don't want to hear all this so literally i mean they're at home they can they can press pause but uh, i think your long form is it's good. It challenges me. It's a. Uh, it's it's interesting. You did good. You did really. I did really, well. You did well. There's one more question I want to ask you though. Um, Damn it. Why, uh, why, why, why is feminism so strong? Why, why is that like? I hear you keep on talking about it, right? Because <clears throat> it's the only way I can say I had a disadvantage. Because I'm a woman. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's the only thing I claim. Um, <laughs> and I'm short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, I think my mom is pretty, pretty feminist. Like she retired a few years earlier than she expected to just now, like this year, uh, table flipping. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Because the- Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool. Yeah, oh, yep. Because yeah. the doctor was like, you know, you, you like was totally condescending her and she was just like, you know what? My husband and I had some finance talk last night and we're good. So Bye. And uh, she she's always been like that growing up. I think she's always just like shown me like go your own way. And I she's a fiery person. She's an Italian woman, so yes, I get that from her. But I also get it from being in sports. And 
um, and not being in sports and not fitting in and just all that stuff. I think um, little things along the way, I've just learned like what got me to race a bike was one person encouraging me and like culture. I just, you can see the patterns culturally. Yes. People don't tell little girls, you're so strong. You're so athletic. No. You're so fast. Yeah. Um, my friend, some some of my friends disagree with me on this, but I very much agree. I, I very much believe that cultural social like socialization shapes who we become, and we have to be careful. No I mean, shit. Who, who would disagree with that? But sorry, uh, some of my friends. Idiots. I'm some sorry. of my friends argue that, like uh, that's yeah. not true, but whatever. Your surroundings base. I hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but you ever hear that saying? You are like the the, the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Right. Like what the fuck? So I had to really change the people I was hanging out with. Uh, yeah, when no I heard shit. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Like, I was like, ooh, you're yeah, cool, but yeah. like, ooh. no, but but go back to yeah, your story. I mean, it's I mean, it's just even I catch myself. It's so dumb, but I catch myself doing it with my cats. I have a male cat and a female cat and the female cat's a little rotund and like she's fluffy and I'm like you're so pretty yeah. and I'd say him and he jumps around he's very like he's like Tigger and I'm like you're so athletic yes it's like if these were my children which they are at the moment but like um it's okay to to say those things because that's that is their characteristics right now but it's also encouraging and reinforcing it is those characteristics I get that. so as parent as a parent I hope I hope that if I have a girl that I'm not always saying, you're so pretty. Like, I, I really hope I that I can that. just temper that a little yeah. and also be like, hey, that was really smart what you just yeah. said. That's really clever. Look, you're so strong. Like, yeah. I just, you're, I want to encourage those parts. You're a badass bitch. You know, like <laughs> yeah. straight up. No, no, no. But, but, but I get that. I get that. I get that. And as a society. Uh, and we're good. We've come so we've far. We've come so far. Right. That was the point. It's like we have come so far. We have we have ways to go, right? Yeah. Uh, but we are moving in the right direction, right? Uh, once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And uh, yeah, fuck yes. Fuck yes. Give me a high five. Hell yeah. High five, Thank so you. sister. All right. Knuckles. Ooh, and knuckles. Up. Ooh, I hit you hard with my rings. <laughs> Have a good night. Peace out. Motherfuckers. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I want to thank Kim for sharing her story. And if you like the podcast, please review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're using. It really helps the podcast grow in a major way. And if you want to hear more stories, visit our website, backtoyourstory.com. And remember, new stories premiere every Friday at 7 p.m. Smooches! Smooches!